Since 1995, Alabama's sports talk leader, Tiger Communications, proudly presents Sports Call. It's time to join our Sports Call crew as they discuss the latest headlines and happenings around Auburn and the entire sports world. To be part of the show, give us a call at 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free at 1-888-9-TIGER-9. We're taking phone calls all show long and want to talk about whatever you've got on your mind. And now, coming to you live from the loveliest village on the plains, Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show, Sports Call. Welcome, Auburn, into the Wednesday edition of Sports Call, live on Tiger 95.9, the Tiger.fm, and the Tiger Communications app. My name is Ryan Lavoy, the host of this show, and today I've got Tom Peavy with me for the full three hours on this beautiful Wednesday afternoon on the Plains. I'm happy to be back after a couple of days off as I was in the Tampa St. Pete area for the, a long weekend. Took in a Bucks game on Sunday, a Tampa Bay Lightning game on Monday night with some friends, and I uh, had a really good time, but excited to be back with everyone on this Wednesday. And of course, there is always a lot to talk about. We will continue to uh, digest the college football playoff rankings, final result, the playoff, some of these big bowl games that will be taking place in a few weeks, Auburn's bowl assignment, all of that good stuff will continue to be brought up on today's show. We'll also talk a lot about the transfer portal as another Auburn Tiger or two entering their name in the portal. We'll uh, mention that for sure. Also go over some top portal targets as, again, recruiting season in both the high school ranks and the portal ranks continues to gear up. There are a lot of players now in the portal. I believe 3,000 or so names have entered the transfer portal for college football. So an insane amount of players available in the transfer portal market. So we'll talk a good bit about that. We'll have other thoughts for you today. Uh, maybe some on, on some Auburn basketball, maybe on some NFL, as we will have Joe Bartle of Rotowire on with us at 515 to talk some fantasy football as he does each and every Wednesday of the show as we're getting into the last several weeks of the NFL season, therefore the fantasy season as well. If you want to give us a call today, 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free, one triple eight nine tiger 9 if you want to discuss any of that with us or anything else that is on your mind. Again, Ryan Lavoy and Tom Peavy with you here on this Wednesday. Tom Peavy, how are you today? I'm doing good. Uh, just got getting some stuff done throughout the day and uh, here and ready to talk sports, trying to keep track of everything that's going on because, yeah, I mean, it's a lot of moving parts in the college football world right now, even though we know the playoff teams that are set. There's a lot of the transfer portal and recruiting and all sorts of different things going on right now. So a uh, lot to look forward to with that. Uh, stuff in the NFL to talk about. I mean, you name it, there's still stuff to going on that we can talk about. Absolutely. And, of course, everyone, for the most part, about 80 or so teams in college football still have at least one more game to be played. So, again, uh, we'll talk about some of those bowl matchups that are coming up in three or four weeks. I know – Everyone has wanted to get their thoughts in in the last couple of days on the college football playoff final rankings and, and who is participating in the four-team championship. I'm sure I'll get to my thoughts at some point today as well, but I know that we've had a lot of callers talking about it and you guys talking about it last two days. Right. I was able to listen to the full Monday show, and I heard 
about half of yesterday's show, so I get certainly get the gist of what everyone is saying and, and what we've been talking about. I did want to go ahead and start today. Again, update uh, with some Auburn things always at the top of each show uh, that there are now sixth Auburn Tigers in the transfer portal. A few minutes ago, Auburn senior tight end Tyler Fromm hit the portal. Uh, one year of eligibility remaining. That adds to the list of Jair Shorter. Malcolm Johnson Jr., Amari Kelly, and East Sledge, and Steven Johnson. So now six Tigers in the portal, two defensive linemen, three wide receivers, one tight end thus far. No entries into the program as of yet. But of course, these were still as many names as are in the portal incredibly early into the whole process uh, because you can add your name to the portal up until the first week of January. So. The portal technically only opened a few days ago, even though we already knew reports of people coming into it before that. Uh, and yet, like I said earlier, I believe the number is up to around 3,000 players, uh, which is just insane, uh, patently. Uh, I mean, again, that is more than just your fair share of players. That is entire teams worth. I mean, you put 70 or 80 scholarship players on a team, uh, and then that's that right there is enough to fill about 30 of those. So there are a lot – of players in the portal. I'm assume there will still be more from Auburn. Even uh, I, I was reading something the other day where Ohio State had like ten four star players or better in previous couple of recruiting classes that are already right. hitting the portal. And that was, of course, a team that only lost one game this year, including quarterback Kyle McCourt. So uh, go ahead and get your thoughts, Tom, and we'll grab our first phone call of the show. Uh, just on the portal updates, anything standing out to you from Auburn? Kind of all, all, all things kind of normal so far. Just what you make of the of the portal so far? Uh, overall, the portal. I mean, it's crazy, but that's the world of college football we live in now. So, uh, yeah, and especially quarterbacks. Uh, the amount of quarterbacks that are getting in the portal has just been insane. Um, the guys that have uh, announced from Auburn that are going. Um, Everybody has to understand that, that they're going to be players that are going to go into the portal. That happens with every school. So far, uh, with Auburn, it's not it's not been key guys, I guess. Um, if you think back to, to guys that were getting into the portal under Brian Harson, they were like star they were starters, like big time starters that you're just sitting there going, "Oh my gosh, you know, I can't believe we're losing out on him." The, these are guys that are kind of they, that are were more, I guess, role players in what was going on. You don't like to lose them, but, I mean, you understand that's part of it. Um, but there has not been anybody that, to me, has just been earth-shattering, that you're just like, oh, gosh, you know, what are we going to do now? Um, but uh, as far as what Auburn's going to do, they're, uh, you know, they're looking at uh, a lot of different positions with some guys right now. But as we talked about with Justin Ferguson yesterday uh, – Auburn fans are very adamant that they want Auburn to go after a quarterback. And, you know, of all these guys that are in the portal right now, maybe Auburn's talking to some of them, but it doesn't really feel like that Auburn is just really hot and heavy into getting a certain quarterback that's in the portal right now. And as, again, like we talked about with Justin Ferguson yesterday, it almost feels like that Auburn is okay with Peyton Thorne. And running it back with him and trying to get weapons around him to where he can actually have more ability to use his talents. Um, you know, they, they still may go and get one, but it's got to be a guy that's really going to fit the system uh, here and fit with kind of what Hugh Freeze and these guys are trying to develop here. But um, 
you know, I right now it seems like Auburn's biggest focus is on the recruiting trail and not the transfer portal trail. Yes. Um, I mean, more news today with K.J. Bolden that uh, Hugh Freeze went and did an in-home visit with him. This is a five-star plus uh, safety that was a target for Auburn for a long time and committed to FSU and had not really heard anything else about it. And then all of a sudden he, he visited Monday and that got everybody's antennas up. And then Hugh Freeze went and made an in-home visit with him again today, apparently. And then there's rumors that he's dropped FSU from his Instagram stuff and picked up Auburn on the Instagram stuff. I, you know, whether that's true or not, I don't know, but that's big time. I mean, you bring in a guy like KJ Bolden, if you're able to goodness gracious. And then of course, Still trying to wait and see what happens with Ryan Williams, the the wide receiver commit uh, to Alabama that is technically still a 2025 guy, but he's trying to reclassify to 24. Um, that really feels like where Auburn's focus is right now. It, it feels like their main focus is on recruiting and not the transfer portal. Even though they are looking at some guys, it, it just doesn't feel like that they're putting all their chips into the into that into the portal. Uh, and I'm I'm okay with that. In the days of the in this day of NIL and stuff, a lot of these players are going to be very expensive, and you know you have to you have to figure out kind of like pro football teams do with with what you have available in your NIL, how you want to divvy that up. I mean, do you want to throw all of it into a big time quarterback, or do you want to be able to divvy that up into some other positions and kind of spread it out that way? Those are the things that that go on nowadays with that NIL and things like that. And unfortunately, quarterbacks, you know, you're you're looking at well over a million dollars to try to uh, of NIL to try to bring a, a big time quarterback in here. I don't know that Auburn's really wanting to do that at this moment. A little bit later in the show, we'll kind of go over the pros and cons to budgeting that way, I suppose, or what the philosophy should look like, uh, and that sort of thing. So we'll have some more thoughts on it definitely throughout this show but for now let's go to the orthopedic clinic phone line for the first time today 334-887-3401 locally or toll free one triple eight nine tiger nine first up on the show this afternoon anthony from auburn anthony is with us anthony how are you today doing good you guys doing well man y'all touched upon a lot of things uh transfer portals and uh you know uh people getting short changed in the playoffs and, and this and that and nil money and everything so uh I guess we'll uh, start with the uh, short change, and then we'll move along with uh, after that. You know, uh, we all know that everybody can't be happy, and uh, people talk and act like as if uh, Alabama was some uh, I don't know some team you never heard of that all of a sudden you know got in the playoffs uh, by way of some kind of miracle or whatnot. But Alabama's a big name football; it always have been. It ain't just started when Saban got there. It didn't start when Coach Bryant got there. It started back in the 20s and 30s when they was winning national championships. And I know a lot of folks say, well, they're claiming all these national titles. But whatever system or organization they had together at that time, whatever, if they recognized them or how it worked, that's just what the rules were and that's just how it was. And now we move to modern day. I mean, you know, that's just what it is. But when you beat a, a number one Georgia, they ain't lost a game in three years, if I'm not mistaken, or whatnot, that then brutalized everybody in the Sarkin Conference, non-conference, and, and just kicked everybody – to left, right, or whatnot, and just keep winning and beating people down, then uh, you have accomplished something. Even though you might have jumped so-and-so a couple points here and there, but let me remind people, uh, I don't know how long they've been following football, but uh, number eight Miami jumped to number three Auburn and won a national title after the 1983 uh, 
when Auburn went on into the Sugar Bowl and played Michigan, uh, scored nine points. Al, Al Del Greco kicked three field goals. Uh, and everybody thought, and I thought, too, that Auburn was deserving and should have won a national championship with Pat Dye, but uh, people that voted didn't see it that way. Number one, Nebraska lost. Uh, number eight, Miami. Number two, Texas lost to those Georgia Bulldogs in the Cotton Bowl with the old Vince Doolin hunkering down. But that's just where it is. The decision's been made. People need to accept it. But I'm going to do you one better. All these Auburn fans like Steve and everybody hollering and crying and complaining. If Auburn would have been in Alabama's shoes and got that fourth spot, first thing he would say, well, Florida State just need to shut up and quit crying and accept it. That's just the committee made his decision, and that's what it is. Be quiet. Auburn's going to play, and everybody would have said the same thing pretty much. I mean, Florida State is, a, you know, they nationally known and whatnot, but the name just ain't as big as Alabama. They don't have the history and tradition and everything and riding with it. Alabama is a certified gold. It's not like you're just taking on nobody. Uh, I mean, you know, I think uh, the thing here, the reading the committee probably didn't have Alabama ranked as high during the season like y'all mentioned yesterday. It, I think it was a quarterback factor with Miro. I mean, you could see the, uh, that the offensive coordinators and saving and staff got in there and they watched the film and said, look, we would like to do, this is our philosophy and this is what we would like to do, but we got a quarterback that got this kind of skill set I ain't going to be a dummy and try to stay with a philosophy that I might believe in heart and soul and not be able to win these games when I can cater to what he does best, make some changes here and there, fine-tune some things here and there, and go with whatever he can do, play some defense or special teams. we got the fans hollering and crying, and we can squeak through these games and do what we need to do and win and get on to the uh, uh, hallelujah land, as I like to say. That's all going to matter at the end of the day. This stupid stuff won't hang on to, well, this is my philosophy. I can't change. Well, you ain't got to change, but somebody else will, and somebody else will win, and you can stay at home. They was, they, they was willing to do that. And Auburn, y'all talked about uh, maybe looking at some quarterbacks in the portal, but I don't know if they might fit Hugh Freeze's system. Well, if Hugh Freeze want to win, he might make, make, make some changes. If you got a quarterback that we know can win, has proven that he can win, then uh, get some of these guys. This is top-tier top talent that's in his portal. And these guys, some of them probably want to be developed as far as the NFL career reading it in the portal, or they might want to be with a team they think and help them. Uh, they might want to have goals and win a national title or win a Heisman. They might, that's why some of them might be in the portal or whatnot. I might want to be in another conference they think that, that might give them a better shot at being a first-round pick if they get in the SEC or somewhere, or wherever that is, uh, you know, and money plays a factor too. And there's nothing wrong with money playing a factor. Uh, colleges and universities have made millions on top of billions off of these players for years and years, and now it's time for the players to cash in. There's no sense. I mean, the way people talk is like they're shaming players, and the players shouldn't be moving around, or they need to make some rules or cut off this. They don't need to make a rule cut off anything. This is America free enterprise. If a coach can make $10 million, the higher dollar ones, and then you got the one in the average making $7 million, or we talked about that uh, – Duke coach that got the A&M went from, what, $3 million to a $7 million contract. Don't get me wrong. He won some games and went bowling and made some noise and, and got people excited. But $7 million is a, is a big raise. You know what I'm saying? So uh, there ain't anybody crying. There's enough apple pie to go around. Let these players, somebody want to, uh, anybody want them to endorse a product or whatnot, whether it be Coca-Cola or, or whoever, they want to pay them a million dollars. They make his million dollars. You're not hurting anybody. Let them go ahead and get it. The university is making a uh, hundred times more. You know, I've said this to, to, in conversation to people when they talk about, well, Michael George making too much money. I said that billion dollars that he may have is nothing compared to 
Uh, when you look at Nike and everybody that has sponsored him or whatnot and have used him to make money, they've made 200 times more than that little $1 billion he's got. Don't get mistaken in thinking that that $1 billion that he got over on anybody because he had not. He hasn't. Nobody has. I don't care what kind of business you're running or you might be making top pay here or there, but you better believe that business is always set up to make a whole lot more than you'll ever make. But, uh, but having said that, I want to say congratulations to Bo Nix. He done messed around and went out to Oregon and played some good ball out there and got further developed. Looks really good. Possibly could be a nice uh, uh, draft pick and, and whatever round it goes in. And now he's up uh, a finalist for the Heisman going up there Saturday or whatnot, Friday, I guess, when they fly in there. I sure hope he can win it, and I think he, he very well may win it because he looks like an All-American boy, no doubt, or whatnot, and he has the numbers and everything. Now, I know he didn't pull off the uh, victory in the conference championship, but that shouldn't have to stand against him. He's had an outstanding season. These last couple of seasons have been very outstanding. I don't know if they'll give it based on this season alone or, or put the two seasons together and give it on a career thing. I, there was a time uh, when I was a kid in high school and junior high watching football and and uh, they used to give it on, on a career based on uh, – but based on today, they give it just on, on a one-year thing. You know, back in those days, an underclassman would never win. And, and you know, when you look at Bo Jackson and Herschel Walker, you could have gave that thing to Herschel Walker his first year at Georgia. He rushed 1,500 yards and carried Georgia onto the national championship game in Hallelujah Land and won the thing and did not even play a full season. Uh, if you think about it, a lot of people don't even know that. And you look at the great Bo Jackson, you could have gave it to him, I guess, his sophomore year. Whenever he jumped over the top and killed Bear Bryant, you could have gave it to him then. But uh, I want to know what you guys' thoughts and things uh, about this transfer portal and everything. I know some people like it, some don't. But coaches move around. Coaches get the payday. Let the players get their payday as well. It's not going to diminish anything from from football. It's not going to people how oh, it's going to ruin college. Well, it ain't going to ruin nothing because uh, – you know, if you got a player that don't want to be at your school, well, let him go. He has an opportunity to go fit in somewhere else, make their program better. And the same rules apply with this portal. You can get the same players. You look at Kim Mulkey at LSU, went in the portal, got what she needed, and won a national title. I mean, so it's there. You just got to be willing to spend the money. Now, if Auburn don't want to spend a million dollars or $2 million to get a quarterback, then he ain't serious about winning. I mean, if you're going to spend <clears throat> X millions of dollars putting up a scoreboard, all scoreboard is good for us telling you what the score is, down and distance and that kind of stuff. But, you know, they want these video graphics and all that, but that stuff is not going to win a game. And that and, that's, and if that's what you're using to get a recruit, then, uh, I mean, you know, that's sad, sad, sad if that's what it's going to take to get somebody to come play ball because it ain't going to win no games. It ain't going to go jaw to jaw. The birds used to like to say, we're going to line up, we're going to go jaw to jaw. I don't care if you scouted us and we run the same thing the last five years. We're going to run the wishbone. We're going to run the split four on defense. I don't care if you know uh, I'm gonna run the dive or, or I'm gonna get a trip off the next play. We, we gonna go jaw to jaw, toe to toe, and uh, see who's gonna be a more man than the other man. What do you guys thought? Well, there's a lot to answer there. <laughs> Anthony, yeah. What what part do you want me to answer first? Well, whatever you want to answer, you go for it. Uh, all right. So yeah, with the with the portal at NIL, look, I have no problem with uh, with players making money and, and making a good bit of money, whatever whatever amount of money that. Uh, these businesses want to make. I think we're moving based off the Charlie Baker stuff the other day from the uh, president of the NCAA. Now I think we're moving towards it just being more direct uh, in payment from from school uh, to player. And I think that we've we're, we're kind of already there. Uh, I think it's not labeled as that, but I think it's functioning as that. And so I'm 
I'm fine. I know that's that's where we're, we're headed in that direction. As far as the transfer portal, I do think that they were smart to make some limitations to it, especially on second transfers that you can't just continuously do it over and over again in such a short amount of time without graduating or without uh, any stipulation there. So, uh, it look, it is, it is a far different day in college athletics to see these starting quarterbacks at the University of Oklahoma and at Ohio State University – who had perfectly fine seasons to see them hit the portal. I mean, that was certainly eye-opening, and I look. I think it makes it uh, a time where there's not a lot of absolutes in, in terms of who you expect to have on your team. And you know, I'm not sure that I, I love that you have to always be recruiting even your own team. That there's no guarantee that they'll even, even if they're starting and playing well, that they'll even decide to play for you next year. So I. I don't know if I love it going to that extreme, but I certainly have no problem with the with the first transfer, and I have no problem being able to to make money if you're a, a good player and you're desired. Then uh, obviously, there as you said, there's a, a lot of money out there for it. So again, I, I'm fine with that part of it, but uh, it is getting to be a, a madhouse. And when you got three thousand players in the transfer portal in just a few days. I mean that that is that is an insane uh, amount of people, and that will not be the final number. They'll get several more thousand, probably. I mean, it's it really is a free for all, and I think free for alls still need to have some structure. Well, you know, uh, back in the day when I played, you couldn't transfer like that. I mean, you know, it was hard to do that. I mean, if you want to transfer, you get to sit out a year, and then if coaches uh, uh, didn't want you to transfer within the conference, that they could make you sit out two years. If, like I said, if a player don't want to be there for whatever reason, or uh, if if you not if he's not getting the playing time he wants, or you didn't change the scheme up that he likes to run, or whatever the reason is, if he don't want to be there, let him go on. If he want to transfer, don't even make nobody be unhappy and got to stick with something in a place they don't want to be. Let him go. There's always somebody else you can get that are probably better anyway. I mean, you know, as long as the coach can take a job on a yearly basis, when he feels like it, then the player should be able to go too. I mean, if you think about it. There's plenty of talent out there for everybody. When you see Oklahoma or Ohio State quarterback leave those kind of programs, then what is it? Is it money or is it some other program that's got a better offense than what they was with or, or somebody else can develop them or, or, or what it is? I don't know, especially with starters. So something got to be going on somewhere. But, I mean, look at it this way. Wouldn't you like to get one of those quarterbacks if he wanted to come on to Auburn, which is you welcome with open arms, right? I mean, well, you got to because of the, the climate. I mean, it's not going to change. you, you got to take advantage of it. I mean, I, I'm sure he's a uh, head and shoulders above Peyton Thorne. You got a lot of people on social media, oh, we love Peyton Thorne. Now, Peyton Thorne's not going to take you where you want to go. You're going to have to get your offensive line in there and get another quarterback that will. They're out there in the portal. i go ahead and get them. You, you look like Hugh Freeze has got some commitments from the stud horse down there in uh, Phoenix City. Uh, when is the signing date? Is it next two, three days, next week? Uh, it's 14 days away. It's the 20th. Well, he go ahead and land him. Other people are going to follow. So you might as well grab you one of those quarterbacks now. There's no sense in hanging on to a quarterback that can't get the ball to those guys because if you do, next year those guys going to be in the portal and they're going to be gone. So you might as well go ahead and get this thing together and get it together right now because uh, they can't say the money there. Jimmy Rain got plenty of money. He's rated as a billionaire here in Alabama and one of the top billionaires in the country. So there ain't no need to uh, – acting like he ain't got no money. If I was an athletic director or coach or whatnot, I'd be going down to Abbeville, sitting down, having some greens and grits and a nice steak and having conversations, laying the plan out of what we need to do and uh, put it with him, and then he come up with the finance. 
get this thing on 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 track is what I would be doing, you know. But they can suit themselves if they ain't doing that. But uh, anybody got all that kind of money can make it happen. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. No, I mean you can make a lot happen for sure. I I think that. I mean, those guys have it that still they want to make sure it's going to something they want it to go towards. And at some point, they're going to get a little bit more antsy if you run up the total. I mean, everyone would, even if you have a billion dollars. If if one million might not be anything to you, but 50 million might be a lot to you. You want you want better. You better have proof of of concept if you're going to do something like that. And uh, you know, I'm not saying you get to 50 million total on spending on one team, but I mean, if you do the math and you spend uh, a million or a couple million on transfer quarterback, you spend hundreds of thousands on all 20, 25 recruits that you get. I mean, you will end up in the tens of millions each cycle uh, just just to pay for 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 one one version of a team that may or may not even end up being that great. So it does add up over time, and and those guys do have it, but at some point, no one's going to be happy with just losing money for, or spending money with, with no return on investment? Well, you know, when you make an investment uh, in the stock market, you know, you're looking to get a return or whatnot, but sometimes that don't happen. Any kind of business you're running, you're looking to get a return, and sometimes you get good returns, sometimes you don't. But they got to make the mind up uh, what their limit's going to be as far as money and what they're going to pursue. Go ahead and get some people together. Uh, if you want to get a group of people together, that way you want to be in it by yourself. I'm sure he got a lot of Auburn. I'm sure there's some Auburn people uh, that support Auburn that are friends with his and got the same kind of close to the kind of pockets he got in somewhere in that neighborhood. Get that group together and get that money together, and then you just have to figure out who's going to get that kind of money versus some other kind of money, and then uh, and get things rolling because you, all you need is a player here, a player there to put it, fit in the puzzle, and then you, other people will come on in. You know, just like when Dye brought uh, Bo Jackson in, you know, he already had a, a player, some players there on that offensive line, you know. Big old Steve Wallace, number 78 at left tackle, you know, and Jeff Lott at guard, number 66. And they had All-American center and whatnot, number 55, big old Ben. So you just had to get people in, uh, in place. One here, one there, start winning. And then uh, things ease on in the right direction. But, uh, you know, if Bo Nix win his Heisman, I surely hope he would order Auburn one and let him send it on down here. I mean, y'all want to go to Tuma's Corner and roll in Tuma's Corner if he wins? <laughs> I no, don't think so. No, I do not believe so. Why not? Well, because he's not doing it at Auburn. Uh, I mean, I think well, that I – mean, like, like again, I, I don't think that means people have to go the other way and, and root against him. I certainly have not been rooting against him. Some people love him to death in Auburn, and some people could, couldn't could care less. Some people would say, no, nah, it sucks to see him succeed that way when it wasn't working out at Auburn. But, you know, I, I've I've always liked the guy, and I, I'm, I think it's great that he's done this. But Auburn shouldn't be claiming something that happened while he was at Oregon. I mean, Auburn had three years with him. Uh, as the starting quarterback, and uh, you know, they there were some great moments, there were some rocky moments, but uh, you know, he right now he's an Oregon Duck, and so if he wins a, a Heisman, which he might, I think he'll at least be in the top two in voting. Uh, then, then that that's or, that's between him and 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 Oregon. That, that's not an Auburn prize. It's not an Auburn award. Well, you know, uh, if he wins this thing, whether it's an Auburn award or prize or not, go on down there and celebrate him. That'd be a biggest compliment anybody to claim a prize like that. I mean, you know, I know things didn't work out for him at Auburn or whatnot. Maybe they would have if they would have had proper coaching and, and the proper talent around him, but they didn't have that. 
and he had the sense enough and the, and the system was set up where he could go ahead and make a move, being a graduate uh, transfer, if I'm not mistaken, or whatnot, and went on to better himself, and there ain't nothing wrong with that. And everybody that cried and hollered about Auburn, all celebrating, all get on down to my corner and celebrating. There's nothing wrong with celebrating other people, even though from it ain't directly uh, tied to Auburn because he's not here wearing the orange and blue, but indirectly or whatnot, he is. So go ahead and celebrate the man. Go ahead and, and roll the t- uh, the Tumas corner. Why not? Do it. He played at Auburn, represented Auburn well. Auburn just didn't have everything in place for the man to succeed like he needed to. Yeah, my my only thing. I mean, it's it's a season award. It's not it's not supposed to be a career award. And and well, he would win. Be, he would win the high, career. It used to be a career award, my friend. No, oh, I know. You've been, but it used to be. Oh well, no, I know. But I'm just saying it's it's not supposed to be yeah. that way. I, I I think it doesn't matter. I think Jaden Daniels is going to win the Heisman anyway. So. I think it's all for well, not. Well, we'll see. I mean, you know, a lot of people saying this and saying that, but that don't necessarily mean that Jaden Daniel has to win it. No, I think it's going to be Bo. I really do believe it's going to be Bo Nick. Yeah, I think I think he lost it. Uh, I think I think his lack of performance in that uh, Pac-12 championship game cost him the Heisman. Well, maybe 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 not, but we'll know how. We'll, I know one thing: Saturday night we'll know how the voters actually voted. We'll see what they had going on. I mean, you just never know. Maybe some maybe that carries some weight with some people. Then maybe some people not. But ain't it one way to find out? Saturday night when they make the announcement, 8 o'clock, 7 o'clock, or whatever time it be, prime time television, ESPN, or whoever got it, we'll know at that time whether he be a Heisman Memorial Trophy winner uh, or not. And it'll tell it all, won't it? Yes, sir. Will do. All right. Well, I appreciate it. Uh, I guess Steve will be calling in, crying and whining and carrying on. But ask Steve this question because I'm going to go ahead and lift me some weights so I can get in shape here. Ask him if Auburn would have been in the same position as Alabama and accepted that spot. Would he be crying and carrying on and lobbying for uh, FSU, old Free Shoe University, to get into the playoffs? <laughs> we, we will do that. We will do that. All right. I appreciate it. Yes, sir. All that, right. That is Anthony from Auburn joining us on the Orthopedic Clinic phone line. Appreciate that call from Anthony. We will head to our first timeout of the show. When we come back, more of your phone calls on the Orthopedic Clinic phone line. And we also got a little nugget of 2024 football schedule news, not directly from uh, Auburn sites, from Georgia's site. But if if uh, the 247 Georgia's site is correct, I can now tell you when the Deep South's oldest yeah. rivalry is going to be in 2024. We'll come back with that and more of your phone calls next. Stay tuned. You're listening to the multi-time Abbey Award-winning Sports Call. I'm Trevon Reed, former Auburn Tiger football player and national champion. You're listening to Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. Welcome back to Sports Call on this Wednesday. Tiger 95.9, Ryan LaVoy and Tom Peavy with you here. Appreciate Anthony from Auburn for joining in on the Orthopedic Clinic phone line on the other side of that timeout. We're about to hit the Orthopedic Clinic phone line again, but did want to mention 
Uh, this came across about an hour ago, but uh, now picking up the uh, the steam around the Auburn circles. That, of course, next week is supposed to be the 2024 SEC football schedule reveal. Of course, everyone knows who they're playing. They just do not know the order in which they are playing them. And some teams still had uh, another non-conference game to fill to, and, and those should be revealed as well. Uh, but Georgia's 247 site has leaked Georgia's entire schedule. Uh, and, of course, I, I'm not picking and pine-combing through every game of Georgia's right now. However, because of that, we have a great idea of when they're playing Auburn. And it appears that the Deep South's oldest rivalry in Athens next year will be on October the 5th. And if you're a Georgia fan, that is right after Georgia makes a trip to Tuscaloosa to take on Alabama. So Georgia appearing, again, if this schedule leak that was posted to the 247 is correct, that Georgia will have a bye week, then go to Alabama, and then host Auburn in back-to-back weeks. So that is interesting. Of course, it's never a great time to go to Athens, Georgia, uh, but certainly after they play their biggest game of the year, um, maybe there would be an opportunity there. But, of course, a lot uh, a lot to go on roster-wise and play-wise between now and then. Of course, we'll update you whenever we know more about 2024 Auburn football's schedule. For now, let's go back to the Orthopedic Clinic phone line, 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free, 1-889-TIGER-9. Next up on the program today, Ward Dam Steve. Retired Ward Dam Steve has joined us. Steve, how are you today? Uh I'm doing much better. It's good to have you back. Good to hear your uh, friendly voice there, Brian. Yes, sir. Glad to be back. And let's see, who else is on with you today? Uh, just Tom Peavy. Just Tom, uh, just Tom Peavy, okay. Yep, just right. me. <laughs> well, um, look, uh, you have my condolences for uh, putting up with me. In fact, I admire you for putting up with my uh, two days of uh, airing of grievances. So uh, I appreciate that. And as I said to you before, uh, we got on the air, uh, Brian, you were fortunate not to have to contend with me live anyway. <laughs> so, uh, well, with that said, guys, uh, Anthony, a man, as, uh, as used to be said on the uh, Chuck Jordan uh, football review, you're so wrong, Anthony. If that situation was Auburn, then I definitely would say Auburn doesn't deserve it. And that's the end of my comment. And so we're done with. Can't do anything about it. Uh, of course, there's some media Republicans that are, uh, say, Rick, Rick Scott uh, decided to send a letter, which is going to be of, of no uh, of no leverage to the committee. They've already done it, so I don't know what he's trying to copy. You know about the letter, right, guys? He said, yes. the uh, commissioner uh, yeah. to the playoff committee. Yeah, and okay. Then, yeah, yeah. Uh, so that's what I'm done with. Now, there is an article, um, I, I suspect probably you guys have already read some of it, uh, that tells me, College football now, uh, sky's the limit. There will be no caps in how much money you want to spend on a particular player. However, they're going to require, according to the proposal from the NCAA um, well, president, they send a memo, somebody got a leak of it, that apparently uh, they do have to have uh, some of that money. I think half of it, uh, whatever they spend, half of that will also have to be spent uh, for Title IX for Title sports as well. Uh, is that what you guys understood? Uh, yeah, I mean, again, the, the proposal is going to be uh, very interesting because, uh, look, I, I again, there there's some NCAA presidential stuff going on here. There's some Congress stuff. 
Uh, some of it pertains to uh, the the amounts that players can receive. Some of it pertains to the direction that it's becoming from. Because as of right now, again, we've talked about that it's supposed to be coming from businesses, but everyone kind of treats it like it's coming just from universities, and that it basically is pay for play and and all that. We again, we don't we don't even we don't even do the research. We just have collectives, and then the collectives shell out the money and who put into the collective well it wasn't really businesses in a lot of cases individuals and people that care about a university and so again it gets very uh very complex potentially shady in a lot of instances uh and so part of this could be that it would be direct just again direction wise coming straight from universities and it's coming straight uh as payment to players so uh I want to. I mean, again, there's a lot of proposals, and that's the newest one from the NCAA and Charlie Baker. But uh, what it also could do, and I need to read more and be more thorough on it, is yeah, what, I've got it right here, Ryan. Excuse from sure, the sports. Sure, is that it will basically separate and, and weed out the teams that don't spend money and may potentially not allow them to participate for a national championship, which uh, is is concerning to me honestly i i know that uh there are always been a uh, a, a big difference in spending from some schools but i i don't think that you should not be able to compete because you can't spend as much money uh you know so i i, I want to hear more on that and who all would qualify and that sort of thing okay just real some bullets here from uh, yahoo sports uh they say here that uh the new subdivision, because you don't have to, it's a choice, they said. Uh, the teams can either choose this new subdivision or not. But uh, it's built around, they said, third-party booster-led collectives, and it says, this is so duplicitous to me, while the NCAA will, ste- will still deem pay-for-play impermissible, the proposal gives programs more control, lifting restrictions based on schools involved with NIL. The proposal uh, says uh, that uh, what will happen the school can choose whether to join that subdivision or not. And uh, it says here there will be a trust fund that will be established, which is entirely says, a separate concept. And it will be, uh, it says here, somewhat costly for college athletic departments, but uh, there will be, what is it, I'm sitting here, okay, uh, a school will be depositing a minimum, a minimum of $30,000 each year per athlete. Right. For half of their athletes, and would spend about $6 million a year. Schools would not be required to deposit the same amount for each athlete. The model leaves that to the discretion of the institution. However, uh, they though will be uh, required to distribute uh, the revenues to athletes, um, including for, for Title IX, so other non probably non-revenue-producing uh, sports as well. Now, what this comes down to me, guys, is it's me the haves versus the have-nots. Yes, and if there was any any you know uh, attempt to parody in the past, that's out the window now for me. Uh, well, what do you how do you guys see it? I mean, it certainly more vividly defines uh, who um, who is a part of this and who is not, and it certainly puts some uh, some checkpoints for programs if they really want to compete with the quote big boys or not. And, and there's no cap limit. Right. Well, and, and look, 
at some point you're just banking on if you're the smaller teams, if you're just talking about recruiting part part of it and and being able to offer funds and that sort of thing. I'm not sure that there are many that can go to group of five schools right now and make what they can make at power five schools. I mean, unless you're talking about a Kansas or a Duke or maybe a Northwestern, these more academic schools or these schools that just don't care as much about a certain sport. I'm not sure that that type of thing would change a whole lot because I'm not sure that the reason you're going to those group of five schools uh, is, is money related and they don't recruit for the most part above any of the power five schools anyway. So I'm not sure it changes it unless again, you're just not allowed to participate with these other schools and that you have to have certain entrance entrance points like this, the, like this funding here of these, of the, the 30,000 number. If you're not able to do that, then you're not going to be able to compete for the same championships at the schools that are, uh, Ryan, excuse me to interrupt. Let me ask you, you and Tom, how is this? Because this comes from Yahoo Sports. How is this not pay for play? I, I mean, again, I'd have to, I'd have to stare at it. I know you read it to me, but again, I'd have to come up with a more complex notion than than right now. I mean, we again, we already know it's that direction anyway. Okay. It's, it's me, this is yeah. where it comes from. The uh, he's the senior college football reporter. That's where I'm reading it from. Uh, Ross Bellinger. Yep. It's called NCA proposing new college athletic subdivision rooted in direct athlete compensation. Uh, why don't we just go ahead and just ask the NFL teams uh, to, des- to to designate who do they want, what colleges uh, do they want to be their farm teams? Well, we're not we're not going to do that, but I mean, why that, not? That's gonna, it's going to eventually come to that. Because colleges and universities are still their own entities; they're not small little functioning. Uh, branches of professional teams they are their own entities they're large entities and obviously uh schools i mean we we focus on the athletics part of schools but schools make their money in far more uh in-depth ways than just their athletics so uh you know i i I, we're not going to go there but but certainly it is becoming more professional oriented in in every in every way in terms of movement and in terms of money, and I, I do think that they can put whatever label on it that they want, but it's going to still function as so. What so and so university is offering X amount of money for for so and so player. I mean, I, that that that's it's already like that in my opinion. Whether the rule of the of the law says it or not, uh, and it will only continue to be more transparent about being that. Well, uh, I think it's unfortunate. Nothing I can do about it. Uh, I grew up in a different type of, well, I would say a true collegiate atmosphere. The traditions and all that I think will eventually disappear. Um, now, uh, let's move on because I can't do anything about it. And none of us can. Um, these are all proposals. I, these are just proposals, right, guys? Yeah, so, yeah, no, they're still in the proposal phase. That's, that's nothing, nothing adopted, not at all. Okay. All right. Well, let's go to... Um, how about who is the sports person of the year, the Sports Illustrated? I talked about this yesterday. I thought, wow, really? That, that Mr. Affleck gets it again? Uh, I thought that it might be someone to me that maybe uh, was a little bit more deserving of it and had to contend with a lot more you know, uh, chaos and uh, really uh, obstacles put before them, and that's Mr. David Braun of Northwestern. Well, I see now he is one of the finalists. 
for the uh, Eddie Robinson uh, Coach of the Year Award. Have you seen the list, guys? I've not seen the full list. Okay. Let me go real quickly. You tell me who you would vote for. Okay. David Braun is on there. Jamie Chadwell of Liberty. Okay. Halen DeBoer of Washington. Yep. Uh, Drinkwitz of Missouri. Yep. Uh, Jed Fish of Arizona. Yep. Brett Lashley of SMU. Yep. Chuck Martin of Miami of Ohio. Okay. Mike Norvell of Florida State. Yep. Barry Odom of UNLV. And this is the to me, but anyway, Nick Saban, Steve Sarkeesian, and John Summerall of Troy. Who would you vote for, guys? Oh, uh, well, I that... mean, I, mean I, just, I, I don't even know. Why does Nick Saban's name get in there, guys? I mean, uh, excuse me. Uh, yeah, I know he's done, but what has he done this year uh, compared to David Braun? Uh, by well, the way, well, they made the know, playoffs, Steve. We're not we're not going to start do. I I know, and you're going to say with with all all the world and the talent, and I we're, we're not. I'm not. I'm not going to entertain that. Uh, I I think Braun has done a, an incredible job at Northwestern. Um, I certainly think that he uh, did probably the hardest job this year in terms of elevating something that was very poor, uh, because I thought they'd win a game or two this year. And they ended seven up, wins. And they all right, right. They ended up going to bowl and winning seven. Uh, so it depends on your view of the award. If you view it as uh, something that needs to be promoted at the most national level, then I would probably go DeBoer at Washington because Washington is in a playoff. That is not normally the case. They did not lose. I doubted them a couple times this year. They continued to beat Oregon anyway, and they went through a tougher Pac-12 than what's been in years past. So I would certainly be interested in DeBoer, but also the job that Braun did at, at Northwestern, again, that can't be overlooked. It's not a simple thing to improve by six games after what came out about Fitzgerald and that locker room before the year to then win, win six more games this year and, and as an interim basis. I mean, that that that's pretty incredible stuff. So I think the spirit of the award, a coaching job, is probably more in favor of him. But, I mean, you, you listed like 11 or 12 candidates. Eli Drinkwitz did a hell of a job at Missouri this year. I mean, again, same concept. I thought they'd be about 6-16. Six and 16. They ended up in a New Year's Six Bowl. That, that deserves to be celebrated. So there's a lot of a lot of guys on that list that, that deserve to be celebrated for the performance this year. Who would you pick? If you, if you had a vote, who would you vote for? I would probably vote for Braun of Northwestern. I would, I would probably vote him. Tom, who your vote uh, go for? Oh, again, there's like twelve of them. Yeah, who who are who are the others? I'm trying yeah. to. Th- it was uh, DeBoer, Washington, Nick Saban, John Summerall, Troy, Chadwell, uh, Liberty, Jamie Chadwell, Chadwell who did a uh, he did a great job. Yep, uh, he but he's playing Power Five teams though, like uh, David Braun had to. Yeah. Jed Fish of Arizona, Red Lashley of SNU. Chuck Martin of Miami of Ohio, Mike Novell for, for Florida State, Barry Odom for UNLV. He did a great job. I mean, that, yeah. Nick I, I mean, Steve I, I, Sarkeesian, I, John Summerall, I, Troy. I, I'll tell you this. I mean, I I really like what Lashley did this year. I I, I think I think Lashley has set himself up for uh, even bigger even bigger boy job. I know I know SMU is moving uh, ACC. Yeah, so I, I know they're moving into the ACC, but. Um, uh, you know the job that Lashley did. You got to give him credit for that. So I, I'm going to go with Lashley. Okay. Um, you know I've tried to find. I'll have to research. But what is the criteria uh, to be considered 
what is what what is, what, is, what are the factors that, that matter uh, for this award, guys? Yeah, is it a career or is it for that season? Oh uh, no, it's for the season. It's not a not a career thing. Okay, all right, all right. Yeah, uh, and I'll give you one, Steve. And we only got about two more minutes left in this hour, but I'll give you one for sports person of the year because I know you asked about that the other day. Uh, yeah. I would nom- I would have nominated and preferred over Deion Sanders, uh, Aaron Matson, the head coach of UNC field hockey. She was the player that uh, went directly from being a, a senior field hockey player at North Carolina that won a title to then the coach right out of college. She became the head coach in her first year out of college, and then they won the national title this year. Uh, so I would I would nominate her uh, as somebody that. Uh, is an incredible story and being able to do something that is, I, I don't know when it's been done across another sport, again, going directly from a player to a coach and winning a title. So uh, that that's someone I would have considered. Okay. Um, that sounds like an interesting uh, uh, nomination there. Uh, guess who Time Magazine made their Athlete of the Year? Who was that? Mr. Messi. Yeah, that would make sense too. I mean, he had a a huge impact on on the sport worldwide uh, this year for sure. And finally, day in history, guys, for those who like useless information, in 1961, on this date, Ernie Davis became the first black player to win the Heisman Trophy. All right. He played for who? Syracuse. But unfortunately, even though he was drafted, he was the first. By the way, he he was the first pick in the NFL draft uh, by Washington. He didn't get to play. He died. Oh wow! That following year yeah. of um, of uh, what was I? Anyway, it was just unfortunate that he never got to play in the NFL. But yeah, uh, so that was happening today in uh, in history. So thank you guys. Uh, so glad you're back, Ron. And I'll uh, listen to the podcast later and see what kind of comments other people have. Uh, with that said, guys, have a relaxing and safe afternoon and evening. We'll. Give us another shot again tomorrow. Until then, Warrior, guys. Warrior Steve, appreciate that phone call as always. That is retired Ward AM Steve joining us on the Orthopedic Clinic phone line. And we are out of time for the first hour of the show. Coming up in hour number two, again, more of your phone calls on the Orthopedic Clinic phone line. If you want to call in, 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free, 1-889-TIGER-9. We'll continue to discuss NIL, transfer portal, all that kind of good stuff going on in the world of college football. And coming up at 5.15 today, it's Joe Bartle of Rotowire to talk some NFL with us. You're listening to the Wednesday edition of Sports Call Live on Tiger 95.9. One hour of our show is in the books. We've got more to come. Stay tuned for another hour of Sports Call right after the break. Since 1995, Alabama's sports talk leader, Tiger Communications, proudly presents Sports Call. It's time to join our Sports Call crew as they discuss the latest headlines and happenings around Auburn and the entire sports world. To be part of the show, give us a call at 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free at 1-888-9-TIGER-9. We're taking phone calls all show long and want to talk about whatever you've got on your mind. And now, coming to you live from the loveliest village on the plains, Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show, Sports Call. 
Hour number two of Sports Call starting right now, Tiger 95.9, the Tiger.fm and the Tiger Communications app, or if you listen after the fact on the Sports Call podcast presented by Coca-Cola, Ryan LaVoy and Tom Peavy with you here on this Wednesday, halfway through the week of shows, although this feels a lot like Monday for me as it's my first show of the week after being off a couple days. Certainly appreciate Brooks uh, for hosting the last couple of days and uh, for you guys for doing such a great job on the show. I know we've had a lot of caller participation, and we certainly love that these last couple days, and we certainly want it to continue. Uh, so I'm going to fire off some hot takes. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. <laughs> uh, but uh, we are going to continue to talk some college football and some portal here and just the dynamic of the sport. Like I, I know that we have big games coming up in a few weeks. We'll have one more Auburn football game to discuss and, and everything that, that goes with that. But – uh, there's some there's some big highlighted things in the sport right now as we start to assess what happened this year and we see how crazy this portal is. Again, the portal's been open for just days, not weeks, days. And I keep I, I said this number three or four times in the first hour. I'll probably say it two or three more times in each of the next two hours. 3,000 players in the portal That's already. That's crazy. Uh, and, of course, there are plenty of big names. I did see that Texas A&M defensive lineman Walter Nolan is officially in the portal, a huge, literally and figuratively, uh, defensive lineman from Texas A&M. It was a five-star recruit, a uh, huge, huge player. He's in the portal. There's so many quarterbacks we've talked about. And it's just a, it's just such a different time in the sport. And I, it, it's hard to – really project out not that we're always feeling the need to do so i mean it's more off-season fodder but when you try to project what a roster will look like in two or three years it's never been harder because you have to keep recruiting your own guys so i want to go back to something anthony talked about because i was going to ask about this anyway he made the comment he's very confident that peyton thorne's not good and and uh not going to win anything with him etc etc but that is something i wanted to bring up today is Auburn looking at this the wrong way by not being overly aggressive? And they might end up with a transfer portal quarterback, but are they looking at this from the wrong lens? Because should they not at least think about what would happen if they pass the ball like they did this year? They bring in Thompson, they bring in Coleman, and say those guys are obviously good, but they only can help with so much, and overall it's still not a potent passing attack because you went with Thorne again, and he did not end up improving as much as you thought he would in year two and, and with better receivers. Should they be more on top of trying to get a quarterback for now, or are they right to get continue to lean into the the high schoolers and maybe into the hope of Walker White after a year of development or Holden Gardner after another year of development? What, what is your preferred path for what they're doing this offseason? Um, uh, I mean, honestly – Honestly, I'd be I'd I'd be hot after one of these quarterbacks. Um, I, I I'm you know I, I I'm kind of disappointed that that Cam Ward was not. Now I'm not saying they're not still going to go after him, but it just doesn't seem like that Auburn's even in the list of guys for him. Uh, uh, Dante Moore, that Dante, yeah, the five star freshman from from UCLA, from UCLA yeah. Dante Moore. Doesn't seem like Auburn's in on him, and I mean, these are guys that I felt feel like would do good things here. Um, and yeah, and again, there's it's, there's not saying that they're not going to go after anybody, uh, but 
I, I, I just, I feel like they need to. I, I really do. I, I, I don't trust that Peyton Thorne can get it done in the passing game. I, I just, I, I have zero confidence in that right now. And you're bringing in all these stellar stud wide receivers. You got to have somebody who can get them the ball and, and can spread it out and get it to him accurately and things like that. I just, I don't feel like Peyton Thorne is that guy. Uh, I don't, you know, I would not trust that Walker White would be able to come in here as a true freshman and do it. I think you feel like that you at least need to give him a year of development in the system to, to be ready to go. Uh, yeah, I mean, I I really wish and thought that they would be heavier into one of those quarterbacks, but again, there's the money issue, uh, and you know, it's crazy that college football has become this where. You have to financially figure out what you want to do. And quarterbacks, especially big-time transfer quarterbacks, are going to be very, very expensive. And you you have to budget. Uh, I mean, you just do. Uh, you don't have unlimited amount of money. And so you have to be able to budget that and figure out where the money priorities are going to go. And, and do you put that much money into a QB? And you may miss out on some other guys. Or do you bring in a whole bunch of really good guys and maybe try to get through your quarterback situation? Those are the things you have to kind of think about these days. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, I still would – I think Auburn needs a quarterback. I, I, I really do. Um, I don't trust that Peyton Thorne can get it done. Uh, I am absolutely sure – that Robbie Ashford is going to go into the transfer portal. I, I've been told that by multiple people that you know it has not happened yet, but I've been told by numerous folks uh, that are expecting him to go into the transfer portal at some point. Holden Gurner, we just don't know. Uh, and then Walker White, true freshman. So I, I, I feel like they need to be after one. Now, one that we have not heard much about is uh, – uh, Grayson McCall from Coastal Carolina, a, a guy that was all but here at Auburn until some uh, things happened with academics or whatever. It forced him to go back to, to Coastal, and now he's in as a, as a grad transfer. And, and that's the other thing is that I think if you bring a guy in, I think you're looking at maybe a guy that is a grad transfer. That way you, you can mold Walker White into it for a year. You know, you're not having to sit here for – two or three years with a guy and then you may end up losing walker white or or however that works out if you bring a guy in for one year but it needs to be surefire is grayson mccall enough surefire he kind of struggled this year uh he was not he didn't look yeah. like the grayson mccall from the the years past that you thought coming in here would be a sure fire type quarterback you kind of wonder about that now um but i you know like a cam ward I you know I, I I figured that Cam Ward could come in here and and be uh, a Michael Penix or a Jaden Daniels like have that type of impact as a transfer to where you're legit talking about a Heisman Trophy type guy coming here. I thought Cam Ward might be able to be that type of guy. Um, I don't know enough about Dante Moore, but I know he was a five star guy. Um, we talked about Riley Leonard, but you you know you scared me off of Riley Leonard, even though everybody keeps talking about him that he's not really that much better of a passer. If you look at the stats and everything, he's not that much better of a passer than Peyton Thorne. 
great with his legs, but you know Peyton Thorne's pretty darn good with his legs himself. Yeah. So you know, but everybody talks about that one. It sounds like he's probably going to be going to Notre Dame though. I but I would say this, yes. But of all the prominent portal quarterbacks we've heard, he's really been the only one that Auburn's been excessively linked to. Right. So yeah, he might end up going to Notre Dame, but that's the only one that I feel certain that Auburn has had real interest in. Now right. they might have had passing interest in. In, in some of these other guys, but not had anything come to fruition or right. had any reciprocated. Like, you can have all the interest in the world at this million-dollar toy, but if you don't have a million dollars, then it doesn't matter. Right. Now, Auburn has that. I was just using that as a sure. us for us common folk out there. <laughs> you know, it's it's the holiday season and shopping, and you get want to get whoever, whatever, but if you don't have the budget to do it, you can't. And if they don't have interest, meaning these big guys like Cam Ward, then there's really nothing Auburn can could do about it. My thing is, they should be calling all these people. And the name that look again, I, I'm telling you that I just don't think these guys are interested. So maybe Auburn's done it, and we're just never going to hear about it because it was just a thanks. But I'm interested in so and so and so and so, and I'm going to pass. They, they, for all the world, should be targeting Dylan Gabriel. Uh, that That's a name for all the world. He, I mean, that guy was borderline Heisman candidate this year. He was chucking the thing around. I think what he ended up at 69%, 3,600 yards, 30 TDs to six picks. Even last year, in what was, quote, a slightly disappointing year for him, he was 63%, 3,168 yards, 25 TDs to six picks. <laughs> Either year, I yeah. would take immensely uh, and, and feel great with. Uh, and, and there's a few schools interested in him, and one of them that is believed to have reciprocated interest is Mississippi State. And you say, why Mississippi State? Because his offensive coordinator, Jeff Levy, is the head coach now at Mississippi right. State. That would be a huge coup for Mississippi State to get Dylan Gabriel. Yes, it would. Dylan Gabriel was the quarterback at a top 15 Oklahoma team this year, and Mississippi State's going to get him? Like, I'm not sure that's going to be the answer. I think Ohio State's in on him. I think Oregon is a big-time destination for him. So they're all going to be trying, but I'm just saying that that is another name that you should have absolutely at least called. On you got to call on Gabriel, you got to call on Ward, and uh, some of these guys too even fit your timeline. Like if you believe that Walker White is absolutely the answer for two to three years, but you can't do it your freshman year with him, then you want one year, right. and that's I think why they've been kind of okay with Thorne, and they're and they've kind of been convinced that there's going to be a better passing element the second more talent arrives, which, again, is not an unfair thought. Maybe not everyone subscribes to it, but that's a perfect, perfectly reasonable line of thinking. Hey, at Michigan State with Keon Coleman, Peyton Thorne looked, looked totally fine as a passer. Mm-hmm. We give him guys that are as talented as Keon Coleman, he's going to look like a perfectly fine passer. We know he can run. We know he kept us in games this year. Like We know when we were able to game plan and run the ball, we know that he did not actively throw us out of things. Uh, and so... Like It's not unreasonable to think that way, but I also get worried, and this is where I'm going to sound like a nervous Nelly just just constantly, is, look, Perry Thompson and Cam Coleman deserve to get 10 targets a game pretty much from the start. At least Cam Coleman, maybe even Perry Thompson. They they deserve to be involved. They deserve to get uh, several plays drawn up for them a game, even as freshmen. And if they don't, or if the quarterback can't deliver the ball, 
These are five-star guys that I promise you can go anywhere and make hundreds of thousands, if not a million dollars. That's the type of guy they are. And in this climate, it would make me nervous if Thorne goes out there and he's 9 of 15 every game for 112 yards. That's going to be very nerve-wracking for Auburn to hold on to those players. I'm just going to be be honest with you because that's the climate now. Uh, And so that part of it, to me, does heighten the urgency to be right next year. I think Hugh Freeze's approach has always been year three, four, and five, and that is a very 2006 approach. And I'm not even saying that's a wrong approach because, I again, I don't love everything that's become of the sport. I think that's okay to say out loud that some things are fine and some things are understandable, but not everything is awesome. Not every change is a great change. And the desire to win in year one and year two and then firing people because they didn't achieve it, you know, I I don't think that's a positive uh, repercussion of the transfer portal and positive stance to have uh, in most situations. I think there's some where if you actively get worse two straight years, you take something that was decent and then not give a damn and then – not win at all, well below the standard. Sure, after two years is fine, but I do think there's an element of there needs to be patience when there are signs of positivity. And so I think he's looked at year three, year four, year five, and that's why he's so big on the high school. Because in theory, assuming you don't have mass exodus, assuming you don't lose your guys that were just a little underperforming in their very first year in college – I think the thought is, hey, in 2025, 2026, when our quarterback that we recruited, our first big-time quarterback we recruited under Hugh Freeze, uh, is is the quarterback as a sophomore and a junior, and when all these five-star receivers and our first real class of all 12 months of Hugh Freeze recruiting it is juniors or sophomores and juniors, that's when we expect to have a real palpable uptick. Um and it's just up to everyone's appetite to, and everyone's trust factor to be able to believe or not believe that that is vision is going to become reality. Uh, and so year two, again, I'm not saying they're punting. They, they should not punt. They should have every – now that there's a 12-team playoff and everything, they should be full systems go. That does not mean I expect those things in year two, but the, the old college try needs to be there. And so if they've got a situation where you can get to a 9 or 10 game winner next year, then you need to be able to take advantage of it. And I'm going to tell you, like if Peyton Thorne's the quarterback, that's not my expectation. That's not my predicted outcome going into the next year. If Dylan Gabriel's the quarterback, if Cam Ward's the quarterback, and you hold all these guys and you do make a couple more positive additions in the portal, then all of a sudden, why is that not realistic? I'm just, and again, I'm not some sunshine pumper. You know me. Oh, I'm hey. not. But if you get Cam Ward or you get Dylan Gabriel, a proven commodity that's proven to have a 25 to 30 touchdown season in college, that's a 3,000-yard passer in college, a 65% completion guy in college already at a big Power 5 school, then why would your expectation with this new talent not start to creep up towards 9 or 10 games? I know the big bears that you have to play in Tuscaloosa and Athens. That's why I'm not going above 10 with the team because, quite frankly, that's still just going to be just nearly impossible. Sure. But everything else – look, I'm just – again, in this world where you got one of these big guys, well, Oklahoma doesn't have Dylan Gabriel, so who they got? 
and they got to go to Jordan Hare. So who they got? Yeah. You know, and it's year three of Venables. He had a much better year two. They still didn't, still lost few this year though. Yeah. So they weren't bullproof. You go to Missouri and to Kentucky. Those are road games for you next year. Kentucky is just not a team that you're going to say I can't get it done because I'm going to Kroger Field. No, of course you can get it done because you're going to Kroger Field. Kentucky's a well coached team, but they're not going to just purely out talent you. And then with Missouri, they had a amazing year. Yep. It was awesome. Drink was named Coach of the Year, by right, the way. Right. SEC okay. Coach of the Year. And, and so, but if you want to make the if you want to make the the argument that okay, well, if you bring in a high prize quarterback to that fight, are you sure Missouri's going to repeat this every year, or was that one right. lightning strike in what's not going to be an overly productive tenure? You can make those arguments. That's all within the realm of possibility, and so. It is hard to just say, no, I'm going to kind of just I'm going to be conservative. I'm going to say Thorne can play better. We'll let Gurner get more reps. Walker White, here you are. You're one year away. It's hard to settle for that. I unfortunately think, though, if you are very much in the train, like you got to get a portal quarterback, you got to get somebody, it just looks to me that they're not either they're not as interested as we want them to be. Or their plan is just like, yeah, year two, we're not rolling the dice, but we're really setting this up for year three and year four. That, yeah. That's just because Bolden's another one. Like, okay, they might have to. I don't know figures. And this is why I want to be more transparent with our figures. So I just know what, what the heck money is going back and forth because there's no stopping it. And if you don't like it, again, there's no stopping it. So let, let me just know. I want. I'd rather know instead of just make assumptions. But let we don't know. We it might be that to get KJ Bolden, that's about the price you're going to have to pay to get a portal quarterback. It might still be less, but maybe certainly in the aggregate, if you aggregate Cam Coleman and KJ Bolden or Riddick, or just pick your top two or three flips that Auburn has landed or is trying to land, in the aggregation, it might have been. A portal quarterback salary or, or number. I know we can't say salary. Bad word, college, bad word. <laughs> but it might have been their money. Yeah. Well, again, then you're then you're trying to then you can have like a real conversation on was this worth that or is this worth it? But we don't even know what figures are and what they'll land at. So I can't even tell you, well, I'd rather have the two big freshmen because they'll be here in theory three to four years versus one year of a quarterback that is going to be on a team that's probably still a year away or at least schedule-wise because they've got the two biggest rivals on the road is probably a year away. What do you say to all, all of my uh, all my clamoring here? What 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 is the – uh, again, what is the way in which uh, should you feel like you have the money to spend at every – opportunity in every way is there a more com is the common sense route to be a little more cautious like do you wish there was more transparency like again what, what do you think uh i i will say this in, in today's landscape of college football i i think you kind of almost have to throw caution to the wind um you know i obviously i i say throw caution to the wind when it comes to like you know do we if there's all these big quarterbacks, do we not bring one in or do we bring one in? I, you have to be cautious in in who you bring in. But if there's guys that you think have that talent that come in here and make a huge impact, then then do it. And and the other thing, uh, the money, uh, 
I think the last I saw the the uh, uh, Never to Yield uh, collective was at Auburn. It was like thirteen million and growing. So, I mean, you got you've got the money there. I don't know how much they're already divvying out of some of this NIL stuff. To but I mean, at thirteen million, you're in a lot better shape than most schools out there. Uh, and as far as quarterback goes, it also seems like that what they're doing on the recruiting trail would be something that they could use as a tool to get some of these guys go to go to a guy like cam ward and go hey man look we just got we just got this guy flipped from a and we've already got these other dudes look at the size of perry thompson look at the size of of, of uh coleman you're gonna have these guys to throw to oh guess what we might also be flipping the five-star plus kid that is at alabama right now uh he may be coming here, if not this year, the next year, but we might be able to get him in 24. You're going to have three NFL-caliber guys that you can throw the ball to. You want to come and join us? It seems like that would be something they could do. Um, but, again, where I say caution is, is it a guy that fits your program? Is it a guy that fits your philosophy? Is it a guy that fits – uh, what you have already molded in that locker room. You don't want to bring an outsider in that is going to completely jack up everything that you have built. So you have to be cautious in that sense. Um, it, that's part of the vetting process with these guys. But that's the same way with recruiting these these high school kids. You you can't you 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 do have to throw caution to the wind as far as like you know if I can go and get x five-star guy at this position it's like okay well we already have all these guys in that position well guess what if you can go get that guy and he's interested then you get him and you weed somebody out so in that sense you no caution but if you bring a guy in here that's going to be a troublemaker if you if you get the sense or if they have that history that you're going to bring in a troublemaker a guy that's going to uh uh just be a complete dirt bag within the walls of that facility then obviously you got to be you know concerned with that i'm hoping that that is something that hugh freeze learned a lesson from at Ole miss because if you remember you know the the uh uh the two brothers that he got the kim dichis, the kim dichis. robert and denzel right um it, one of them got in trouble in atlanta of uh, like destroying a hotel room i think and then you had the other guy on on uh uh, on the NFL draft with the gas mask, smoking weed and stuff. Laramie Tunsil. Laramie yeah. Tunsil. Um, you know, you have to be cautious that you're not putting yourself in that position. Um, you know, you don't, you don't want it to turn into, you know, just a raging thing of that you can't control. So you have to be cautious in that sense. But I, I just I feel like with the guys that they're bringing in at wide receiver, the running back room that is uh, unless something surprising happens where one of them goes into the transfer portal, you've got all of your running backs coming back, and you've got a couple of running backs that are be coming back that we just got a little taste of this year that we saw like oh my gosh is like that dude's going to be something else, and we just got a little taste. So you've got the you've got the weapons at running back you've got a wide receiver room coming in here that is going to be astounding it seems like you could use that to go and get one of these big time quarterbacks but again the money thing is the issue i you know i i don't know how they're divvying up that money through the nil that is something that is definitely behind closed doors and out of my i that is above my pay scale 
I don't know. I don't. I don't know what they're. I, I don't know how they're divvying that up. They they may be very close with their money and not willing to shell out millions is with an S yeah. millions of dollars on, on a college player. And, and these quarterbacks may be wanting that. And they're like, mm, nope, too, too rich for our blood. Yeah. That, that, that could very well be the case. But I, again, I don't know. I do think though that they need to try to find a quarterback that could come in here and, and, and hopefully be a day one starter. Cause I, I'm just not convinced that Peyton Thorne can be it. And I agree with you 100% in this day of the transfer portal. You you don't have a lot of time. You've got a year. You, yeah, if you bring these guys in and you tell them and you give them all the feel-good stories that we're going to throw you the ball this many times and you're going to have this many touchdowns and you're going to be a Heisman Trophy type guy and we're going to do this. And you have a quarterback that can't even get the ball to you. They're not going to stick around much more than that season because they have every opportunity to go somewhere where – a quarterback can throw him the ball. So you don't have time to do that. If, if you don't think that Peyton Thorne can be that quarterback that can suddenly turn into a top-tier passer, then you're going to have to go find you one. 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free, 1-888-9-TIGER-9 to join us on the Orthopedic Clinic phone line. Let's take a phone call before our next break. Keith from Auburn. Keith is with us. Keith, how are you today? I'm doing well, guys. Hope you all are. Yes, sir. Um, the NIL, uh, let me ask you a question. Of course, you all know how I feel about the NIL. <laughs> I, don't, I don't care for it. But anyway, uh, is there a limit on how many players off of one team can enter the uh, transfer portal? There's I, not, is there? No. No, it's, it's wide open. So, hypothetically, if I was a coach at a big-time school, let's lose – Texas A&M, for an example, uh, deep pockets. Well, I could just kind of break down, uh, say, Georgia's offense that's returning and say, okay, they got nine players returning, so let's go in there and offer about $12 million to all of them total and get them all to flip. And then you turn around and you go find the defense and you spend another $12 million, and you just bought – a whole football team. Yeah. That, and you would go from uh, low expectations to the possibility of you would be in, basically you would be in Georgia's footsteps because you just bought their whole team. I mean, what does that tell you? I mean, about college sports. Is that ridiculous or what? Yeah. I, I mean. Yeah, no, 100%. And also, I mean, again, that gets into – Someone will say, oh, well, you know, if they're not in the portal, you can't really contact them. Yeah, but we know that's not being honored. We, we, know, we know teams yeah. are, are reaching out to kids that are, are already on someone else's team, and, and several coaches have voiced their frustration about it because it's, it's basically tampering. Uh, and, and so as unlikely as that would be, like, yes, in theory, there's not one thing unless – now, if, if one team got, got ri- just drubbed like that in the portal, yeah. then, then they would probably try to find some proof and go to the NCAA with yeah. it. But, but every team's kind of doing it in one way or another. So, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah it's, it's, it, 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 it's already a free-for-all, and, again, there's no really limit in sight to it. Yeah, they're going to have to. They're going to have to do something because it's just each year it's getting more and more and more out of control. 
Now, I want to talk real quick about the, uh, the, the quarterbacks that enter these transfer portals. Uh, use McCord up there at Ohio State. Sure. Where'd he go? 11 and 1? Yep. Lost to, yep. uh, the, their, in, their, their rival yes. by yep. three points yep. on the road. Yep. Uh, now he's in the transfer portal. Uh, and, and, and maybe Cam Ward. I'm going to use him for an example. Here's another one. You know, some of these, even Dylan uh, at Oklahoma. Dylan Gabriel. These, yeah. These these top-notch quarterbacks, you, you, it's either one or two things. They're, they're, they're going for the money, or they want to go somewhere where they think they've got a really good shot of playing for a national championship. Yeah. One or the other. Now, McCord – he'll have a shot every year at Ohio State to play for a national championship. So I don't know what's going on there. Well, and Gabriel probably like, well, you know, we ain't got no defense. And, you know, I've got a year left or whatever. I'm going to try to see if I can't hook up with a team that, you know, I think we can get to the, the, the you know, the promised land or whatever. Hallelujah land. Hallelujah land, yeah. So, um I mean, it's just out of control. I mean, it's ridiculous to uh, to see all of that. How do you, you know, I, I guess you adapt to your situation, you know, and and, and learn how to coach, uh, or you just either join them and go out there and just buy all your players and uh, just just be done with it. You know, you know, I, I don't I don't understand that. I mean. It started out; these kids were going to school to get an education. At one point, now all that changed because uh, half of them aren't doing that. They're just going to school to make millions. Uh, and you used to couldn't do that till you got to the professional level, or I guess you could do it on the on the college level. That you know, under the table, uh, which probably several got got a good bit of money. Uh, I just think it's it's getting to the point where college, especially college football, it's just the minor league of the NFL. And it's just it's sad to me to see that happen. But, you know, it's the times. I get it. I just don't agree with it. I think it's sad. I got one other question. I'll hang up unless you guys comment. And it's really not a question. But I don't remember what the guy's name is that left Texas that got fired at Mississippi now. Um, basketball coach. Uh, oh, Chris Beard. Beard, yeah. Yep. I mean, they're what eight or nine and zero now. Yes. At Mississippi, you know, they, they, they I guess they got the transfer portal rolling too, and I think Flanagan's playing pretty good uh, over there. So, uh, you know, it's uh, it's crazy. I mean. Uh, some of these teams, and, and college basketball is getting the same way. The parity is so there's so much parity, which is good. Okay, I, I, I mean it's really good for basketball uh, to see the parity. Football, you don't see as much parity because uh, of all the blue 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 buds and all that stuff. But um, I don't know, guys. I, I just think it's uh, it's way out of control. But anyway, I mean, you guys, tell me what you think about these quarterbacks. I mean. It's got to be for the money, and it's got to be for an opportunity to play for a national championship in, in their mind, you would think. Now, I don't know why McCord, I heard he was linked to Arkansas at one point, why he would want to leave Ohio Ooh. State to go to Arkansas, uh, uh, unless unless the coaches at, Ar- at, at 
you know, they offered him a ton of money, uh, one thing, and then maybe maybe uh, the head coach there to Ohio State just said, look, dude, uh, we're going a different route. Yeah. You know, I'm going to the transfer portal. So, so I'll tell you one one thing. I, I'm I'm wondering just what's going on at Ohio State in general right now because they've had a lot yeah. of guys going to the portal. Not just him, but a lot of their top tier guys are leaving uh, into the transfer portal. So uh, that makes me wonder if there's some behind the scenes stuff going. I don't know if that means that. Ryan Day may be looking at leaving, or if there's coordinators that are leaving, or if there's just dissension within the ranks there at Ohio State. I, you know, I don't have that answer, but they they have been hit bad uh, uh, up there in Columbus, Ohio. Yeah, and I don't know. Uh, of course, uh, Michigan. Uh, I call it. I call it cheating. Uh, <laughs> uh, that's the cheatingest one school I've ever seen in my life. Harbaugh is. Uh, how how you can get away with the stuff he gets away with, and uh, and, and still be coaching, but uh, you know I guess that's the uh, it is what it is. If you can sleep at night doing what he's doing, I guess you can sleep at night. So uh, you know I, I I don't know it's it's uh it's gonna be interesting uh, watch all this transfer portal stuff uh, pan out. And if yeah, if I was Auburn, I mean heck, just. Uh, you know, go pick out the top dog. They'll give him about three million dollars a year, and and get you some linemen, and just you know, try to try to pull it off. I mean, Dion Dion pulled it off with smoke mirrors there for a couple of <laughs> couple of games there in the, the circus uh, that that they they installed out there. I call it the circus, but uh, but anyway, that fizzled out real quick. But uh, we'll see. I think he's got players leaving too. So anyway. Guys, thank you for taking my call. It's going to be a lot of fun, and uh, we'll see how it all pans out. Y'all guys have a great evening. You too, Keith. We certainly appreciate the phone call. That is Keith from Auburn joining us on the Orthopedic Clinic phone line. Yeah, I was going to say one thing with McCord uh, is that I was reading that it's possible that Ryan Day told them that they were going to go portal shopping and that uh, he was not guaranteed to be the starter next year, which, again, McCord – was I think 65, 66%, 20-something touchdowns, few picks. Uh, he did underwhelm in some ways. You watched him, and obviously he had a couple of games where uh, he just didn't do a whole lot. Ohio State's offense was not nearly as explosive as it could have been with Marvin Harrison Jr., and so I'm not saying that he was some awesome quarterback. But still, that is odd. Dylan Gabriel leaving is odd. You know these big time quarterbacks at big schools. Cam Ward is more of the line of thinking that I would would think would be a lot of schools, yeah, uh, because or a lot of kids in situations like that because Washington State uh, is was a five win team this year and they are technically without a conference. Uh, you know they're going to be in the Mountain West Alliance, so that one I, I for all I think that checks all the boxes. But the motivations of Gabriel, yeah, maybe it is to get. On a better team, although, again, Oklahoma was still fine. I yeah. mean, again, they were still pretty good. Maybe it is because he wants to be back with Jeff Levy. I don't know. doesn't want an, another OC at, at Oklahoma, would want one somewhere else or want Levy right. again. <clears throat> and then with McCord, I, I genuinely think there was a, a situation there where I don't think he was guaranteed the job. They might they might not have gotten a, quarter, a portal quarterback better than him, but it is Ohio State. They certainly have the reach. And then to your point, Tom, maybe there's even a shot at Ryan Day. Uh, going in the NFL this year or something weird. I mean, again, there's there's 
something's a little off there. Maybe it's just the panic of losing to Michigan for a few years in a row. But, but again, not everything is perfect there in paradise for Ohio State. We need to take what is our first time out of this hour. It's going to be our only time out of this hour. We'll be back with more Sports Call right after this. Time out. Sports Call will be back after this quick break. I'm Deshaun Davis, former Auburn Tigers football player and all SEC linebacker. You're listening to Sports Call on Tiger 95.9 Ryan LaVoy and Tom Peavy with you here on this Wednesday. Reminder that coming up at about 5.15 today on the show, we will have Joe Bartle of Roto-Wire to talk some fancy football as we move deeper into the NFL season. And also a reminder for programming here at Tiger Communications, big night over on FM Talk 93.9 as we are a proud home here in East Alabama of the Super 7. And starting tonight with that 7A game, a huge one between Thompson and Central Phoenix City. So that can be heard starting airtime around 6.30 on FM Talk 93.9. And, uh, of course, now Auburn commit Cam Coleman there for Central Phoenix City, and there will be a lot of other players all over the field uh, that will be going to colleges and, and playing big-time college football. So we'll have that game at 7 o'clock, uh, 6.30 airtime, and then right here after the conclusion of our show, kind of leading you up until kickoff of that game, Brooks Childress and T.P. Hammock with the final high school coaches show of the year. They'll be previewing that game as well as the other six games there in the Super 7. So that's directly following us here at 6 o'clock on, on Tiger 95.9. So Got the high school games coming up. Going to be a lot of fun, the Super 7. Going to be busy in Tuscaloosa tonight. There's a Republican presidential debate. Oh, is that tonight? Uh, That is in Tuscaloosa, yeah. Uh, So that's going to be busy uh, in that area. Uh, But, uh, yeah, big uh, big time opportunity there for the Super 7 and and everything going on uh, with that. So a few more minutes left in this hour. We've been talking a little bit about high school kids and that uh, the NIL opportunities and recruiting world – uh, and that sort of thing. And, of course, Auburn has really gained momentum in recent weeks. Really, they've been slowly gaining the momentum all year long in the recruiting world. They just had a, a very dark place to try to pull themselves out of. Uh, and, and now with the commitment of Cam Coleman at the end of last week, gotten to around 10th, 11th in the recruiting rankings. I know Rivals redid uh, their top 250. I think Cam Coleman moved up in the top yeah. five there. Yep. Uh, I mean, it is uh, is warming up. And, of course, the recent chatter, Tom mentioned this at the very beginning of the show, but in the high school ranks for Auburn, really trying to take a hard swing at K.J. Bolden, the five-star safety committed to Florida State. Uh, and, and he's somebody that had a, a live commitment. I remember watching it at my apartment a couple months ago and picked Florida State. And now uh, he visited Auburn. He freeze visited him. And there's some traction there. Well, where it will go, we don't know. I, I don't. Again, this is far more recent than than the Cam Coleman stuff because Auburn was, of course, working on him for months, and and they've been working on Ryan Williams for months and that sort of thing. But 
looking at the class, I will say the two things I think that the biggest needs, I've said all along now that you've got Coleman. Offensive line, still need another guy there. Colin Eccles would really check that box, and they're still trying for him. They got him on campus a couple times in the month of November. Uh, but then the second need would be a def- another defensive back or safety because the Auburn does lose a few guys uh, because they're out of eligibility that, that played and started this year. And if they can get a premier player on the back end, look, they've already got a big-time player at linebacker and Demarcus Riddick. They've got Waller, uh, the Florida flip on defensive end, who's a top 100 player. They could then say they have one elite recruit at all three levels of defense to go along with their uh, immense wide receiving core, some other solid DBs that they've got, big-time offense lineman DeAndre Carter, uh, Walker White, a strong four-star quarterback. I mean, again, it's a lot easier to talk about when you're saying that, hey, almost every single position, there's someone that is very highly valued uh, in the recruiting cycle. But, yeah, if they could end up getting – KJ Bolden or, or someone else even close to that caliber to round out this class. I mean, it will again solidly finish in the top ten. Right. Uh, you know, they're uh, tight end wise. Martavius Collins is committed, and uh, there there's some other guys that they're uh, looking at. One of them is uh, Willie Rodriguez, six four, two hundred thirty pound tight end out of uh, Covington Catholic up in Park Hills, Kentucky. Uh, he's com- he's currently committed to Kentucky. Um, Maybe today's news of Brock Vandegrift from Georgia has committed to Kentucky. So I don't know. Maybe Willie Rodriguez might see that as an opportunity to stay at Kentucky. Um, but they're looking at flipping several tight end guys. Uh, Willie Rodriguez committed to Kentucky. Amir Jackson, uh, Florida commit, and uh, Michael Smith, South Carolina commit. So looking at some of those guys on the offensive line, DeAndre Carter is the big time kid that is committed uh, out of Modern Day High School out in uh, California. Uh, it felt like Auburn was solid for him, and then it turned into a bit of a recruiting battle between Auburn and Texas, and Auburn got one that – well, until he signs, it just, it yeah. seems like he – For he, a moment, Auburn has he – made the, He made the announcement that he is solid – that he was ending his recruitment, no more visits, and that he was solidly 100% committed to Auburn. So we're going to assume DeAndre Carter is coming here. Um, still looking for some other guys. Um, Seth Wilfred, Favor Edwin, Cohen Eccles is a big one that they've been after. Uh, so they they've got some guys on the offense <clears throat> on the offensive line that they're really looking for. And uh, yeah, you, you know, just trying to trying to round some of that out. Uh, Defensive wise, it, it's really you know the the Bolden thing just really that I I thought that was over and done with. Honestly, I, I thought the KJ Bolden thing <clears throat> once he committed to FSU, I, I thought that was done. And then all of a sudden, bam, he's on a visit. And then all of a sudden, bam, they're making a uh, in-home visit to him. Uh, yesterday, I think it was, they made an in-home visit to him. Well, he visited here uh, on Monday. and then, Oh, that's right. He, he visited then, here Monday, yeah. And then uh, today, oh, I guess today's Wednesday, but I thought the freeze visit in-home was right. today. Uh, so defensive backs, you know, you're uh, right now you have five committed. Uh, Amon Langanis, Jalen Crawford, Kinsley Faustin, Caleb Harris, and Laquan Robinson is a JUCO. All those guys are committed. Uh, obviously, K.J. Bolden, like we just talked about, is another huge target. Um, they're looking at a couple of other uh, potential portal targets. So um, trying to fill some of that out, but they, you know they've already got a big group of commits that, that are already here. 
Uh, and so then uh, linebacker-wise, you've already got commits from Demarcus Riddick, which was a huge get. Um, D'Angelo Barber and Joseph Phillips. Uh, Phillips was the commi- the flip from George. Or no, he didn't flip. No, Riddick was the commit. Riddick, yeah, Riddick was flip. the flip. Phillips was is a the battle. kid. The, yeah. uh, Phillips is from right down the road at BTW, right? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, everybody thought he was going to Georgia, and and he committed to Auburn. So or so you got Demarcus Riddick, D'Angelo Barber, Joseph Phillips committed. Um, doesn't really look like they're targeting any more high schoolers, but there's a portal target, Chris Paul Jr., that they're looking at. We'll see what happens there. Uh, and then uh, Jamonta Waller is another linebacker. Uh, he's a jack linebacker that is committed. And then on the uh, defensive line, you've got Malik Bogdan, TJ – Excuse me, Malik Blockton, T.J. Lindsey, and Dimitri Nichols are committed. Uh, quite a few other targets here, and some uh, some portal targets. So they're trying to fill out offensive line, um, trying to fill out some spots here on defense. But uh, you know, fortunately, they've already got a lot of commitments there. Yeah, trying again, to... Waller for the edge, <clears throat> right there. I mean, again, he was he's the one that Florida people are are upset about, and he's a top one hundred player and. As Auburn really, that was one of the things that was weakest about their team was pass rush out of the defensive right. uh, ends and, and outside linebackers. So that 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 one's that was a guess, pretty significant one too. Yeah, uh, the, yeah. So yeah, Jamonta Walker, uh, a Waller, Waller. Excuse me. Yeah, he was the flip from Florida. He's from uh, Picayune, Mississippi. Um, yeah, may, I guess Waller's the reason that all the Florida fans are barn cheating. Barn's cheating, Paul. Uh, all over social media on Twitter today, apparently a bunch of the Florida message boards are convinced that uh, that Auburn is uh, and Hugh Freeze are in tuned with the mafia and and stuff to get money. It's it's very comical. Uh, anytime Auburn starts doing great in the recruiting ranks, it's, it's because they're cheating. I mean, obviously. So uh, I guess the the Gators are upset over losing Jamonta Waller, but I mean things are shaping up great, and you start plucking a few from the portal. You know, let, let's go. Uh, but again, like where we talked about, I, I do think they need to go after a quarterback because I'm just not sold on on old Peyton Thorn. I, I really was before he got here, and we actually got to see him firsthand. I, I, I think they need to think they need to go big. We are out of time with hour number two and hour number three. We'll try to go big as we'll continue our college football conversations. Also at five fifteen. Joe Bartle of Roto-Wire will join us. If you want to give us a call, in the meantime, 334-887-3401. Locally or toll-free, 1-888-9-TIGER-9. Sports call returns after this timeout. Two hours of Sports Call are finished. Don't touch that radio dial. We've got one more hour to go. Whether you're leaving work, cruising around town, or listening on demand, we've still got some fun left for you. To be part of the show, give us a call at 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free at 1-888-9-TIGER-9. Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show has been on the air since 1995 and is ready for 60 more minutes of fun. Now, let's get this hour of Sports Call started.
third and final hour of Sports Call starting right now. Tiger 95.9, the Tiger.fm, and the Tiger Communications app. Ryan LaVoy and Tom Peavy with you here on this Wednesday. Again, reminder coming up in about an hour. The final high school coaches show of the year. Brooks Childress, T.P. Hammock will set you up for the Super 7 here, and they'll do about a 45-minute or an hour show leading up until FM Talk 93.9's coverage of the Super 7, Thompson versus Central Phoenix City. That can be heard again, 7 o'clock, FM Talk 93.9. As we continue on, though, Tom, again, got uh, Joe Barnell coming up here in about 10 minutes on our show to talk some NFL and fantasy football. Uh, You guys were talking to me during the break that uh, you're in your final regular season week. Are you going to make the playoffs, Tom? I I think so. Yes, no, maybe. Bubble? Who all makes the playoffs? Bro, I don't know. I'm not in this league. I'm thought, asking you, man. I, I, don't, thought I, don't, every, I thought everybody got in for at least the first week. Well, I mean, yeah, you might play a consolation bracket game. I don't well, know. Maybe I should get gotten the commish back in here, Brooks Childress, and, and asked. That was a, I guess that was supposed to be an off-air question. But well, uh, we'll talk to Joe. We'll try to help everyone out. Uh, let me see where I'm at in the standings. I yeah, am, what's your record? Uh, I'm 6-7. and seven. I'm tied for third you sound in, like an NFC South team. Yeah, <laughs> tied for tied for third in in the West division of this, but I'm going up against the last week. I'm going up against uh, Brooks' brother Blaine. Yes, Blaine Childers, yes. who is the top record guy right now at eleven and two. So uh, it's a tough one. It's going to be a tough one for me. But he got he got beat. He took his second loss of the year uh, this past weekend. So maybe I can sneak one in there. Maybe so. Maybe so. Again, I'm I'm proud to be sneaking just out of the league and, and not participating in the stress and seeming uh, hard feelings that develop right. out of uh, so the fantasy I, world. I'm looking at it. So uh, the bottom two, the bottom two are eliminated. So it looks like it looks like the the bottom two of that have already been okay. eliminated. So I guess I'm in the playoffs. Sure. Again, I, I, I think I, I, we'll have to ask the commission then on the next uh, next break. But uh, we will be talking to Joe here in just a few minutes about the NFL. We'll continue on for the next couple of minutes. They're talking a little bit more college ball. Uh, I don't know. This might have been talked a little bit about yesterday's show. I know it didn't really come up on Mondays. Uh, what do you think of the bowl game uh, for Auburn, Tom? The, the bowl assignment Auburn going to be taking on uh, Maryland there in the Music City Bowl. Uh, December the 30th, I believe. What do you think about that? So I will say this. Uh, go ahead and thank the committee for putting Alabama in because if that bumped Auburn up, because if if you didn't have uh, – if, if Alabama and Georgia were both out, then that was going to bump everybody down a little bit. And so that would have bumped Auburn to the – one of those other bowls, the Duke's Mayo Bowl or the Texas Bowl or something, by Bama getting into that playoff, that allowed Auburn to jump up to the Music City Bowl. I think it's great, uh, you know, make a trip to Nashville. We we all spent quite a few days of the summer in Nashville for SEC Media Days, so we all know how great of a town Nashville is, uh, and it's cool. Uh, a very surprising matchup because I – none of the projections that I saw had Auburn against Maryland in any sort of way. And I like that because it's a, it's something different. I I'm tired of seeing Wisconsin in bowl games. Uh, we've seen Northwestern in some bowl games. Uh, it, it's nice to have something different. 
Uh, Auburn and Maryland have a little bit of a history. They haven't faced each other since the 83 when Boomer Esiason was a quarterback. Maryland came here to Jordan-Hare Stadium, I think is the seventh-ranked team in the country, and Auburn beat them here. Like I said, Boomer Esiason was the quarterback for the Terrapins at that time. So I, I like the matchup because it's something new. Uh, it, you know, it's not a first time Auburn's ever played a team and knock off that list of, of FBS teams that they've never played. That would be even better to play somebody for the first time ever, but you're playing somebody they haven't played or seen since the 80s. So I like it. I like the matchup. I, I honestly don't know much about Maryland and how they are as a team. I know they're not god-awful. I know they're not world beaters. It, they're, you know, but it's going to be a tough challenge either way just, you know, because Auburn is who Auburn is right now. But uh, great town. It should be a great time for everybody in Nashville. It's close enough to home that there should be a huge Auburn contingent there. Uh, and I like it. Um, you know, I, I, I think that it bodes better for Auburn uh, and especially for their fans to be there instead of somewhere like Texas or even getting put in something even crazier where it's going to be hard for fans to get to. I'll give my thoughts in a, a little bit later in the show, but we do need to get to another phone call before Joe Bartle at 515. We go back to the orthopedic clinic phone line. Jeff from Columbus. Jeff is with us. Jeff, how are you today? Doing great. Doing great, man. I know you all got somebody coming up. I don't need a whole lot of time. My dang team couldn't get it done. <laughs> but let me tell you, I was sitting on a 50-yard line in the Dr. Pepper suite. What is that? I guess it's in the... I don't know. But either way, I've never sat on the 50-yard line of anything, maybe a high school game. But, um, uh, man, let me tell you, I don't know if it was a horse collar or not because they never replayed it in the stadium because people were booing. They they knew they'd have – there'd probably been bottles and stuff thrown on the field or whatever. So I don't even know if it's a horse collar. I don't even care, really. But from where I'm sitting – you realize how big a 15-yard penalty is when they start marching it off. <laughs> yeah. like, it's like mean, they never yeah. stop. When you're sitting on the end zone, yeah, and you see them march off 15 yards, it doesn't look like they've gotten that much closer or that much further away. But when you're sitting there watching them, you wonder if that ref's ever going to stop. You know what I'm saying? Golly. It's a, <laughs> yeah, so, but it, it was a cool game. Uh, it, it, I mean, takes a little sting off when you're eating two-inch thick tomahawk steaks and lobster and shrimp and all that stuff so oh, you can man. kind of drown songs. yeah it was i've never been treated like that it was great but game outcome was bad but um uh man let me tell you my brother is a florida state fan he's the same guy that i sat in the suite with uh but he's also an alabama fan so he's he's got two sides to him mm. but i guess at that time with the florida state thing wasn't working out he had to jump on the alabama bandwagon i guess now he's back on but he's not back on the Florida State game. We watched the whole game after our, this game was over. And like he was saying, he, he keeps it real. I mean, with that quarterback, like he said, he goes, well, go ahead and run the ball, ball six yards back, then try to throw a pass, and then just try to just do something crazy, have him run or something like that. He goes, yeah, we won, but we got killed by anybody else. He's disappointed that they're not there, but – like you say, if you're supposed to pick the four best teams, I don't know if they've got the four best teams right now, but I don't think Florida State was actually one of them. But it is a heartbreaker. And I'm, I've am i always fought against the 12-team playoff, and I still am. You know, 
because I just don't believe that a number 12 or a number 11 seeded team with two losses or three losses deserves even a chance to be the, the national team because it's going to happen. They're going to make the run. You know, what is what will it be? Three, four games? Somebody's going to make the run one day, and it's going to be, you know, uh, it's just not going to be the true national champion, I don't believe. But, um, uh, you know, kind of like Georgia, they lose one game by three points. And I forgot until I walked halfway to the Omni that we missed the field goal. I go, yeah. wait a second. You know, I go, but the guy went off sides. Once again, a five-yard penalty. When you have to back up five yards from a 45-yard field goal, it seems like eternity. So, but, man, I, I know you all got to get get to this break, but I'll call back later and give my opinions on the NIL and stuff. But, sure. Man, that, it was a transfer portal. But um, you all have a good rest of your show, and I just wanted to – let you know that I'm still here and I'm, I'm, <laughs> I haven't jumped off the ledge or anything like that, okay? It did so, cross my hey, mind. Jeff, it did yeah, cross my no, mind because I, I was off the, the last two days when I listened to the last two shows yeah. on the podcast and I did not hear yeah. you one time. I was like, okay, I hope I, he calls well, in the next couple of days or we're going to have to check. I was, wait, I was waiting for you to dang beat that guy. Yes, sir. That's what it was. But let me tell you, I'm not that way. Uh, um, but I do want to say, I saw something pop up. And tell me if this is even possible and if you, you think – Florida State opting out of playing in Orange Bowl is what I saw. And that would be something. You know what I'm saying? I just can't say I'd really blunt. But um, you all go on on with your show, and maybe if you can mention that later on or give me your opinion, uh, I'll be listening. Yes, sir. Okay? Appreciate the phone call as always, Jeff. That is Jeff from Columbus joining us on the Orthopedic Clinic phone line. Also glad Jeff got to have that experience. He had mentioned that to us a few weeks ago. Uh, that he was going to get to to go to the SEC title game right. and, and get a suite and all that, and that's a great experience. Real quickly, Tom, thirty seconds. I know you wanted to say something there at the uh, end. Uh, I haven't seen that uh, Florida State was opting out of that bowl, but there was reports that uh, that they canceled the, the press conference, the press conference, tomorrow. which yeah. yeah, it was making people wonder what was going on, why they would suddenly cancel a press conference. So I don't know. Yeah, no, that has been talked about. We can't get into uh, full thoughts right now. Obviously, I know that was hashed out a lot last couple of days. I've yet to give my thoughts but certainly we not be doing that as we need to take our next time out here and we get to joe bartle of roto wire coming up after the timeout. he'll talk all things nfl and fantasy football with us you're listening to the wednesday edition of sports call on tiger 95.9 Sports Call has been on the air since 1995. We're done paying the bills. Now back to Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. Welcome back to Sports Call on Tiger 95.9, the Tiger.fm and the Tiger Communications app. Ryan LaVoy and Tom Peavy with you here on this Wednesday, and we are now excited to go to our orthopedic clinic phone line where we welcome on Joe Bartle of RotoWire here each and every Wednesday on the show. And of course, let RotoWire take care of all your fantasy needs. It's about to be playoff season for most leagues here in the next week or two. Uh, so, certainly important time for all the matchups and who's in and who's out of the lineup. And Joe, as always, we appreciate the time. How are things in your world? Yeah, doing all right. Uh, it'll be really interesting this week, obviously, with 
the fantasy playoffs starting next week for most people. Do or die situation. Thankfully, you're not likely relying on any Cardinals or Commanders who have bye weeks this week. But I, I will once again petition to the NFL stop having bye weeks uh, on very critical weeks of the fantasy season. You are in bed with gambling and, and fantasy sports, everything else like that. I think the least you could do is think about us a little bit and not have these bye weeks <laughs> at such a critical time. Uh, that is something that uh, they are getting more involved in, although they're also trying to limit their players <laughs> from doing that. So <laughs> it's a little bit of a catch-22. But, Joe, I do have a question to start off with from one of our other uh, guys that's sometimes on the show but but not on the show today. And so he has a start-sit question for you. So go ahead and ask that on his behalf. So he's got both Ezekiel Elliott and Aaron Jones. Aaron Jones, uh, a little bit of an injury problem, just played on Monday night, so a little bit of a shorter week. Ezekiel Elliott going to get the bulk of the carries in a uh, Thursday night game that not many people are going to want to watch tomorrow. And, of course, with Ramondre Stevenson out, Elliott is going to get more carries. So who would you start there, Aaron Jones or Ezekiel Elliott? Yeah, the the tricky part, and you kind of outlined it really well, is that the over-under for Thursday's game is 30 points. That is by far the lowest I have seen this season. I would be willing to bet that's one of the lowest pre-Week 18 uh, over-unders in quite some time, too. I mean, when you're talking Bailey Zappi and Mitch Trubisky, I understand points aren't uh, very likely, but that that's a very, very low figure. But the workload for Zeke should be massive. I mean, it's Ramondre Stevenson and Zeke, and it's been that way all year, with basically a 60-40 split in favor of Ramondre. Does that mean that Ty Montgomery and Ezekiel Elliott are going to have that same kind of cadence? No, I don't think so. So I think Zeke gets a ton of workload. I would imagine Zeke is going to be kind of like a top-20 starter this week regardless, even though the over-unders as low as it is. That we're also can uh, we're also doing this in conjunction with Aaron Jones, who I don't know if he ends up playing this week at all. Uh, he's missed the past two weeks with a knee sprain. The Packers injury staff is just historically and notably very patient, and I'll put that as the positive way of things. Uh, very patient with their guys that have injuries, and Aaron Jones had a ton over the past two years. So I don't know if he plays or not. I wouldn't want to risk the possibility, especially with them on Monday night. Uh, I would play Ezekiel Elliott. All right, let's look at some stuff around the league, Joe. And we talked a little bit about the 49ers and Eagles coming in last weekend and the perceptions of the team. And, man, the 49ers uh, were very good. Uh, how how much is – I mean, what's it – what would it take for you not to feel confident in one of these players offensively? Because it seems like such long ago where they had their midseason struggles, and it seems like they're a- they're all able to eat. Ayuk, McCaffrey, Samuel. Is there any concern or hesitation in any of these matchups? I know they got a divisional matchup this weekend, but I mean, just it seems like all systems go for San Francisco at this point. Yeah, Seahawks this week, which they're fair by ten and a half points. Of course, they throttle them on Thanksgiving. Um, I-, I I almost wonder if that was the Niners' regular season Super Bowl, uh, beating the Eagles in Philadelphia, and there could be a letdown, but. It is a division rival. Maybe that's not going to happen. Um, I, I mean, I think you we we, we kind of saw the answer to one. You'd be concerned. It's if Trent Williams isn't playing. Uh, maybe Debo Samuel as well too. But during that three game losing streak, both those guys were not able to play. Uh, and I think Trent Williams in particular makes things so much easier for Brock Purdy, which in turn then gets all those guys involved. So I I uh, would agree that for the most part, you're starting everyone. There might be instances where uh, I could see the Niners favored by not three scores, but um, like 17.5 points you know, in the 14.5-point range. And if that were to occur, naturally, I think Christian McCaffrey scores, 
you would maybe have one of or both of Debo Samuel and, and uh, Brandon Ayuk score. And then there's just a limit on how much they could possibly eat. And that might be the overall concern that if you have Niner guys, you almost want them to be still in the thick of things, still chasing the Eagles for a top divisional spot because then they're playing their guys. If they already have everything locked up with 17-18, they can play things safer too, which uh, I, I don't foresee happening when you only have one team with a bye week uh, entering Super Wildcard weekend. It, it makes things theoretically more competitive. But I don't know if the Cowboys are going to be really, really anywhere close to, well, I guess it's time of the Cowboys. I don't think the Lions or the NFC South winner will be anywhere near the 49ers if they were to not win um, the number one seed or get into that spot. So they could, by default, just be resting their players uh, in Week 17 or 18, depending on how the Eagles do rest of the season. Uh, looking at the uh, Kansas City Chiefs, uh, Taylor Swift's boyfriend <laughs> – um, from uh, from week eight to eleven, uh, only had 116 yards total. Last couple of weeks, he's done better. But going up against Buffalo, uh, is there any concern over Kelsey at all, or for you, is he still your top tight end guy? Yeah, I think he's still my top tight end. And if there was one thing you're missing this week, Trey McBride, it kind of emerged as a quality starting tight end option with the Cardinals. Well, of course, they're on bye week, so that's one less guy. I know I'm not. I'm not really concerned about it. It is a fun little media story. I get that. And the Swifties will get really angry if you <laughs> say anything bad about Taylor Swift or Travis Kelsey whatsoever. Um, I, I, I honestly, and maybe I'm just naive to this whole thing, but uh, I enjoy that she is so invested in her significant other's relationship. Like that, I, I would love if my wife would uh, actually care about fantasy football. That would be really cool. But now yeah. it's like she's like, no, stop talking about it, Joe. Please, God. Um, and I imagine most of the listeners would be the same way, too. So I, I, don't, I don't think that it impacts Kelsey at all. The greater issue, and you mentioned it too, is that is the Chiefs often still effective. They are the most battle-tested team in the NFL over the past two or three years from a playoff perspective. But I even think in these big games and these big moments, yes, their offense is worse. I think that's undeniably true. That was true two months ago. That's certainly true now. You know whether MVS can catch the ball, uh, can Sky Moore, can Aries do Tony do anything? I, I don't know. So you are certainly working with one hand tied behind your back. But if there is one quarterback-head coach combo in the NFL that I would trust to work in that scenario, it is Mahomes and Andy Reid. Um, the the days of Mahomes being the top overall fantasy scorer, I think, are a little bit gone. Maybe this week uh, with the over-under getting close to 50 points, Vegas thinks it should be offense. But most weeks, just with the guys that they have, the Chiefs, that it's going to be difficult. That does not mean that Mahomes is bad by any stretch. But I think that's more of my concern than Kelsey, whereas you're drafting Mahomes – first quarterback you know he was top 20 top 25 pick at most uh and he just will not be able to return on that value given everything that's going on with that offense uh switching over looking at uh miami dolphins a guy that we talked about last week uh we we discussed a trade that was being made here in the yeah. office uh that i was a part of and i received devin Achain. it worked out pretty darn well for me <laughs> that uh oh, yeah. last week i now tennessee uh they have a defense with some run stuffers. Does it give you any caution if you're if you're an A-chain, uh owner, uh, if you have him, or is he just a, a true start? Okay, so I tweeted about this on Sunday after he went for another two touchdowns and 100-plus total yards, and I every single time somebody's asked me a Devon A-chan question, I have gotten it wrong, and there has been <laughs> no more infuriating player in my entire career at Rotoware than Devon A-chan. So when I say this answer, just know 
you're locked and loaded, whatever the opposite is, that will absolutely occur. <laughs> I, well, tell, tell, me I, that, tell me it's going to be terrible then. <laughs> I think, I mean, I, I am worried about the Titans' run defense. That right. is one thing they're very good at. And their, their pass defense is uh, uh, really atrocious, like we saw last week against the Colts where Michael Pittman and Alex Pierce go off as well. So I don't know if there's going to be a running avenue per se, but over the past couple of weeks, when uh, a chance has been healthy, it's been, okay, I'll do this in the fourth quarter when the game's already out of hand and we want to save him mustard. Well, that's going to occur. So by default, I do think the workload for HN will be fine this week where you can start him. However, and this should give you, um, should, should give you at least a bit of confidence because I'm going to be once again uh, besmitching be the name of Devon HN. The rest of the season schedule for the Dolphins is really, really challenging. We're going to find out whether or not they actually are the AFC's number one seed in the coming weeks. They've got the Ravens. I think they have uh, the Cowboys and possibly the Eagles as well. Maybe it's the Bills for a Week 18. But three of those next four or five will be against actually competent teams. Well, they haven't played a competent team more than once the entire season. The Chiefs excluded from that Germany matchup. So I, I will be really interested to see if the offense looks good, uh, and if Devon H. Chen can continue to work. My bet is no, so that means that it's going to happen. Security. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and, Joe, let's look at a game that's going to be impacted by one of the biggest wild cards in the sport, which is weather, and that is the Baltimore Ravens taking on the Los Angeles Rams. Uh, reports it's going to be a windy, rainy day in Baltimore. And, of course, you have a very good pass offense in the Rams. You have a great fantasy quarterback in Lamar Jackson. Uh, how will the weather potentially impact the fantasy implications of that game? Uh, it's fascinating. Um, so you guys don't probably deal with this as much, although I'm not familiar with your weather, uh, as I am Wisconsin. It, typically, if somebody in Wisconsin earmarking a day a week in advance it's going to be astronomically bad. Like, there's very few instances where I can think of where somebody's like, all right, hey, Joe, weather is going to suck next week, Sunday, uh, and then it hasn't actually not been horrible. Like, that maybe, maybe like on a scale, because you've already been preparing so mentally that it's going to be awful, that uh, when it's only 75% awful, that's, that's fine. So when we're talking about that same conversation for Baltimore weather, that makes me a little bit nervous. I mean, that's going to be not just a pivotal game, for two teams that are competitive, but from an NFC and AFC playoff perspective, there's a lot on the line. Um, the Rams' offense has been great. It's been inconsistent, though, right? I mean, Puka Nakua had the big touchdown last week, uh, and then we had Kyron Williams in the fourth quarter really go off. But uh, it, when you're only scoring two every two every four quarters, that's not going to work against the better teams. And I do think the Ravens kind of qualify in that range, that there could be gusty conditions and rainy stuff, too, makes me even more nervous about a guy like Matthew Stafford to really meet his profile. And he was kind of a low-end quarterback one this week anyway. I'm not sure you were really looking at him as any more than a streamer if you were playing Kyler Murray or Sam Howell. Um, but Lamar Jackson, that's another part of it, too. And we're going to really figure out what this offense looks like now without, uh, without Mark Andrews. Is it going to be Isaiah Likely as the guy that benefits from that? I mean, they were on by last week. We really haven't seen it. Or will it be Zay Flowers, Odell Beckham, somebody like that? I'm willing to bet it's Zay Flowers. Like, I think if there's a beneficiary, it's going to be Zay Flowers or maybe even Keaton Mitchell, uh, the, the stud fast running back for the Ravens. But I don't know the answer, and I hope that the conditions will allow us to solve that answer because it's a very critical point, uh, really critical point of the fantasy season to not have that kind of information. And then, Joe, I want to finish with this because, uh, unfortunately for a lot of teams this year, there have just been – 
an influx of quarterback injuries. And they continued mm-hmm. uh, on Monday Night Football this past week with Bengals and Jaguars and Trevor Lawrence going down. And, of course, some of these teams have these really solid records or in the middle of these playoff races, and they all got backup quarterbacks. So I'll give you two games here, Colts and Bengals. you got Minshew versus Browning. Uh, at seven and five and six and six, and then you got in Jacksonville, uh, Bethard versus I guess Flacco in an eight and four, seven and five battle. I mean, give me give me your thoughts on some of these AFC offenses and and, and their backup quarterbacks, and just who who you might like a little bit more. I was going to say we lost uh, Trevor Lawrence, but what we got was Flacco, and it feels like Jake Browning is both fancy assets for the quarterback spots, and you know, added that mix again, it's a thirty point over under, but Kenny Pickett. Uh, at least missing one, two, three, four weeks. We'll see what that ends up being. But that's another guy was at least starting for it. it it's been it's just been horrible. I don't I don't know what the NFL is going to do about that. It's obviously a bad look for their product. Uh, but you can't continue to make more quarterback friendly rules. I don't even know if that's possible unless you're playing flag football at this point. So we'll we'll see kind of how that develops. Um, of those two matchups, I, I think Gardner Minshew will look good enough. Um, the Browns are getting back Denzel Ward. Maybe that makes a difference from a secondary perspective. That defense is already really good. And Flacco looks totally fine in his own right. I said it in one of my Tuesday articles uh, two weeks ago, or at least uh, certainly last week, that I-, I think Flacco is better than Dorian Thompson-Robinson. I definitely thought he was better than P.J. Walker, so that he went in there right away threw for 250 yards. Yes, he had the bad pick, but that wasn't surprising me at all. He is the, he is the best quarterback. In fact, if he was the starting quarterback during this whole Jets venture, I think the Jets would easily be a playoff team, for example. So, um, I, it's crazy that he was still available at this point of the season. I, I'm taking the Colts, but I didn't feel good about it when I when I submitted my article at the time. And then, from the Jacksonville Bengals perspective, I, I mean, we haven't seen it in a while. But C.J. Beathard was a very bad backup, kind of in the same vein um, of Tommy DeVito and that kind of ilk when he was the backup for the 49ers and forced in a time with Colin Kaepernick. I'm not forgetting that just because it was three years ago, and I think that offense is worse, like worse play caller, uh, no Christian Kirk for the foreseeable future overall. So I, I'm nervous about C.J. Beathard, not so much about Jake Browning. Not that I want to start him per se, but if you're in the deeper league, I'm not scared off. I was really impressed with what I saw Monday night, and I think that he is going to be um, a better factor. But I guess that's, you know, that's, that's another conversation altogether with Beathard and uh, everyone else. He's Joe Bartle of Roto Wire joining us on this Wednesday edition of the show. Joe, as always, we appreciate the time. Again, uh, you are a very busy man with Roto Wire and SiriusXM, so tell our listeners about all of that and where they can follow your work. Yeah, I'm on SiriusXM every Friday, uh, 8 to 10 p.m. Eastern. I'd have the privilege, I guess, of uh, having the show as well tomorrow with uh, live game in, uh, in jumps to the uh, Patriots Steelers game. So I'd imagine I will not be. Uh, having to cut too often the game, given likely no. Unless you like punting, there. I mean, yeah, you I could like I don't punters. Know if the, the listeners really like the radio <laughs> jump into a nice punt, but that's certainly. <laughs> then, I mean, then I won't even be talking at all. It'll just be all uh, punting action and three and down, three and down. So yeah, uh, Series XM channel eighty seven, uh, both Thursday and Friday this week. And then I mentioned my article already. It's the big betting sheet that I post every week. Um, take every game against the over under uh, and against the spread positive now the past five weeks uh, in win-loss record for both sides of those things so uh, I have certainly jinxed myself if I haven't already jinxed myself with Devon Achan it'll certainly be with the over-unders and that stuff too but uh, check that out if you get a chance my Twitter JB Fantasy Sports as always Joe we certainly appreciate the time with you and uh, we look forward to talking again next week 
All right, sounds good. Thanks for having me on. That is Joe Bartle of RotoWire joining us as he does each and every Wednesday on our program. Love Joe and love the insight he gives us with fantasy football and the National Football League. I appreciate Joe for joining us again today. We're going to take our next time out of the show back with more sports call right after this. please ladies and gentlemen can i please have your attention we're auburn's first and auburn's favorite sports talk show hi my name is what my name is my name is sports call on tiger 95.9 i'm jeff whitaker jr former auburn tigers defensive tackle and national champion and you are listening to sports call on tiger 95.9 Welcome back to Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. Ryan LaVoy, Tom Peavy with you here on this Wednesday. Again, we appreciate Joe Barnell of RotoWire for joining us on the other side of that timeout. If you missed that or ever miss anything at all or want to hear something again, go back and check out the Sports Call podcast presented by Coca-Cola or available wherever you may get your podcast. Final uh, 10, 15 minutes of the show today. Again, reminder coming up after us. The final high school coaches show right here, Tiger 95.9, Brooks Childress, T.P. Hammock. We'll preview the Super 7. And speaking of the Super 7, at 7 o'clock on FM Talk 93.9, we will have the first of those seven matchups in Tuscaloosa as the 7A state championship game is tonight. And, of course, three games, both on Thursday and Friday, all available on FM Talk 93.9 here in East Alabama. Uh, with our time remaining, uh, I know we hit on some things there with Keith uh, before the Joe Barnell call, so I want to get to some more of that. Uh, I know there's been um, several playoff thoughts. I'll give a few uh, here because I have yet to weigh in. I don't think my opinion is going to be vastly different than others that you have heard in the last couple of days. I do want to have one emphasis on it, however, uh, yes, I would have uh, I would have gone Florida State. I think though that what's gotten lost in this is that they the committee did more of a here's the reasons Florida State's not in rather than the reasons that Alabama is in because Alabama just like everyone else had a compelling case and their case was that they were a team that had steadily improved throughout the year, had accrued a lot of top 25 victories, and beat the number one team on a neutral field, the number one team that was ranked number one uh, all season long by the playoff committee. Like That is a compelling case. But when we start going down the road of, oh, well, Florida State didn't deserve to be in because their quarterback broke their leg and they weren't the same – that's when we get into stuff that just gets harder to sell and harder to, uh, to to live down because, you know, we all saw the Jordan Travis where he's like, I wish I had broken my leg earlier yeah. so that 
everyone could see how good this team was. That's a horrible sentence to have to read. I wish I broke my leg earlier. What in the world? And so, again, that is why it has been tough to take, and I think this was the the selection that was actually slightly more controversial, although the better team argument's great argument, and it's one that I think is right. I think Alabama, with the current Florida State team, would win, absolutely. Um, I think Georgia would probably win. You know, and I think that I think probably all of them will win. I think Oregon would probably win. Again, you go down the line, uh, but again, to to try to talk negatively about Florida State is not a way that I want to describe uh, how to how to defend this part of it. Talk about what Alabama did positively, not what Florida State had happen. Unfortunately. Uh, so, so that is one key qualifier. Again, I think this is just the appropriate way to end this four-team era, an era that I have never liked from the start. They set this up. They knew what they were doing. They can do math. We can count to five. There were five power conferences and four slots. They wanted this drama, and it resulted in this kind of horrible ending to the four-team era. And I just said it was always senseless. And I know some people didn't even like to go up to four. I know some people are especially not keen to go up to 12. I get it. There, there's an array of opinions in this big, beautiful world. But uh, this, is, this is my reasoning. I, I am okay having a few participants that don't feel deserving. I am not okay having a couple of participants that are absolutely deserving not get to play. And I would go back again. We've talked four-team part of this. Seven teams deserve to be competing for a championship this year. And I wouldn't again. I would. I wouldn't argue against any of these seven. Of course, the four they put in, I think they all should be competing for a national title. You can have your opinions of who would win what game and that sort of thing, but these four teams are good enough and have done enough. They deserve to be playing for a title. Florida State also deserves to be playing for a title as an undefeated Power Five champion, no matter what their quarterback situation looks like. And then, and by the way, they still. I know it didn't look good on offense, but I heard you guys talk about it. You still won by 10 against the top 25 team like because your defense is damn good. So there's still something on that team. That team still deserves it. And then, by the way, I'd still cast a line to Ohio State and Georgia. Ohio State lost on the road to their arch rival, the number one team in the country, by a possession. That's their only loss. Georgia's only loss is on a neutral field to a playoff team by three points. Like Those teams should be playing for national titles, but we don't have a system that can can – uh, can hold all that. We only have four teams. So I, this is the perfect year of why four was not enough. Now, eight would probably make sense because I don't know if we'd ever go past eight because even this year I think we went to seven. If Oregon had beaten Washington, then I would have told you eight for this year because then I would include Oregon in this spiel too. But losing twice the same team makes it kind of clear you're not better than that team. Oh. So, I mean, I again, but seven to me – teams were awesome this year and had a legit uh, argument to be playing for title, maybe not under the four-team criteria, but certainly under just a generic, hey, are you good enough? Do you deserve it? Yes, uh, to, to a lot of those questions. So there's my stance. This was always my stance. I have said this for weeks that we would be here. We are here, and it absolutely freaking sucks for <laughs> Florida State University and some it was going to suck for somebody and it ended up being them and again it is 
it was the unfortunate reality that finally happened. It kind of happened in year one because we had those Big 12 teams with one loss. What was it, Baylor and TCU? Right. And they didn't name a conference champion. They got left out, and Ohio State got in. And then Ohio State won the title. It was great for Ohio State, but also I would tell you, in a vacuum, one loss, Big 12 teams, Baylor and TCU, still could have competed for a national title that year. Uh, maybe not over the four that did, but again, in a vacuum, yes, could have competed for a title. And now we bookend it with a situation where we had the most controversial decision of the four-team era and a situation where again i feel that we would have done just fine having all seven of those top seven teams uh in a in some sort of playoff yeah uh you know and i i've I, i've said my piece on it all you know i i understand why they did what they did and you know i i get it uh, i i think for them it would have been easier for them to explain uh if Florida State was in there, because you're just like, I mean, they're undefeated. They won, they, they won their conference, and they're undefeated. That's why they're in there. Same with the others. Okay, well, yeah, well, Texas has a loss. Okay, well, yeah, but they beat the team who is now the SEC champion by double digits on their home field. So, yeah, you know, I, we, we give them the nod because they won their – championship i think it would have just been easier for the the committee to explain why they did what they did if fsu was in there by putting alabama in there now you're really having to explain yourself it's like well it's the four best teams well is it i mean do you then would you put georgia in right one of those teams it, exactly because into opinion right it, well exactly um and and you get into opinion and what we think will possibly might happen if Team A plays Florida State. Well, you don't know that for sure. That defense looked damn good. I, you can get by with a very bad offense if you have a defense that is just that good. So I think Florida State can still be competitive. The other thing is the quarterback that played in that championship game is not going to be the quarterback that plays – uh, on New Year's, it, it will be Rodemaker. So yeah. you'll, it'll be a guy that already is 2-0 and and beat Florida in the swamp. Yeah. That's who your quarterback Tennessee is going to be. Tennessee didn't do it. I, I, top 25 team. Yeah. They didn't do it. Um, and I, I, and I'm, I'm sure that he will not have concussion problems still by the time you get to New Year's. Nope. So it's not even going to be the guy that was the quarterback in that game that looked so bad. So you can't say that's the excuse. Um, I, you know – I, I don't like it. I, I you know I, I don't like the four team deal. Uh, it needed to be more than that, but I really don't like the decision there. I, I understand the decision. I get it. I you also can't convince me that there's not people powers behind the scenes that are like, listen, we really do need to get an SEC team in here. I, I'm convinced that there's some kind of pull going that way. Uh, you know, it, it's also that kind of the 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 glitter and glam of a team like either Alabama or Georgia that you want in there to help things out. I you know, there's a lot of people who say, oh no, that's just all you're just full of beans with that. I think that has some to do with it. Um, you know, Florida State is a glamorous school, but it is not as glamorous as Alabama. It's not as glamorous as Georgia. You know, they they have they have their swag factor, but it's not that. Um and so, yeah, I, I, I don't like it. Um, I don't think that they made the right decision. Again, I, I, I understand why they made the decision, 
but but you back yourself as a committee. You're backing yourself into the corner by saying, "Well, it's the four best teams." Well, that's that, frankly that's BS because I I think that Georgia would beat Washington. I think Georgia would beat Michigan. I think Georgia Texas would be a pretty darn good matchup. But you can't tell me that that you got the four best teams because I think Georgia is better than them. I, I would put Ohio State up against Washington. You mentioned them. Yeah, you know, their only loss was to Michigan. I, I'd put I'd put Ohio State up against Washington. I'd put Ohio State up against Texas. So, no, you you can't sit there and tell me you, we put the four best teams in there when you just you right. didn't put the four best teams in there, Not at least in my opinion. The, the logic should have been you dropped Florida State to down around seven or that you had them three over Texas and Alabama because then because if you say oh Florida State drops the four then why would Texas pass Florida State right. too like like I knew as soon as Florida State was not three that they were going to drop out of it right uh, because you would say okay we're giving the credence to you being an undefeated Power Five champion and so once they moved them down below Texas I I told my friends I was watching with them like yeah Bama's going to be four here yeah uh, well and the and the other thing that we talked about on here is if, if you know if you're if you're going to knock them out of that then why did you have them ranked up there to begin with if losing Jordan Travis was that big of a deal then when they beat North Alabama with Rodemaker then you drop them back when they beat Florida in in the swamp especially that week with yeah, Rod, saw with, with Rodemaker then drop them back don't put them into the position to where you know, if the Jordan Travis thing is that big of a deal, then yeah. don't have them up there. Don't rank them up there, and then all of a sudden go, eh, no, we're we're not going to put you in. You've had us in the whole daggum time, <laughs> and we kept winning, even with a third string quarterback. We kept winning, and you had us there. You've had us there the whole time, and because the third string guy didn't look very good, then all of a sudden, no, we're not going to give it to you. That's crap. Again, it's not even the quarterback that's going to be there playing for them in the if they were in the playoffs. So that's a that's such a BS excuse to not put Florida State in there. You had them ranked there the whole dang time after Jordan Travis was injured. Why isn't that now suddenly a factor? It's not been a factor at all over the last three weeks of the season, but all of a sudden when it's time to put the quote-unquote four best teams in, now it's a factor? I don't. I don't like that. Uh, yeah. That's that's crap. Uh, that's that's pure BS crap. Is what that is. But yeah. hey, good luck. Because watch, I, I said it last. Oh night. yeah, no, I. Bama's going to win yeah. the national title. Yeah, no, I agree with you. I, I'm yeah. I'm going to. I heard that. And I was just shaking my head when you said that. I was like, yep, yep, yep. They're going to beat me. I never. I've never liked pro team pro style teams against Alabama and Georgia. Yeah. It's not how you beat them. And uh, then you know, Bama Texas rematch or something. Then it's hard to beat a good team twice. And, sure. And Bama is playing a completely different brand right. on a different level than they were when they were playing Texas early in the season. So yeah, I I, I think Bama Bama is going to win the national title, and and then of course Georgia is going to probably beat the brakes off Florida State, and then everybody will go see, got it right, right? And like, well, maybe, but I don't like it. Yeah, no, I agree. I agree, and uh, certainly, certainly, they made the more controversial road there uh, than than what it would have been otherwise. Of course, there would have been griping, but I yeah. think it, it's not just look. Everyone's team's fans would want their team in, sure. so yeah. of course, it would not. Liberty be the same wants team, to be, but but uh, <laughs> I think you got nonpartisan fan bases involved right. here, and 
again, that's you were always set up for this to happen. It's amazing it didn't happen before now, but uh, it happened in a, in a royal way here to close the four-team playoff. We've got to close the show today. Time for Nightly TV Guide. Our show is about to end, but we've got you covered on entertainment for the evening. Here's Sports Call's Nightly TV Guide. Sports Call's Nightly TV Guide presented by White Claw Hard Seltzer tonight. You've got number four, Iowa and Iowa State, 6 o'clock ESPN2. That is women's college basketball. Men's college basketball, Memphis and VCU, 6 o'clock on ESPN. National Hockey League, you've got the Dallas Stars and Florida Panthers uh, at 6 on TNT. NBA, San Antonio Spurs at the Minnesota Timberwolves, 6.43 tip-off time on ESPN. And more men's college basketball. Big matchup, top 15 matchup, number 12, Texas, and number 8, Marquette. That's 7 o'clock on FS1, and that is Sports Calls Lightly TV Guide, presented by White Claw Hard Seltzer, and that will do it for the show today. Tom Peavy, thank you for being here today and throughout the week. I hope in, you have a great rest of your week. See absolutely. you next week. I enjoyed it. Going to going to get a hockey game in in Columbus Saturday. Go Excellent. watch the River Dragons. I, as someone that just went to one, I highly uh, recommend. I got seats on the glass. Okay, so make sure you, you hit that glass hard then. Oh, I will be. Uh, I have bruised hands when I come in Monday. I was up in the 300 level in Amelie <laughs> Arena in Tampa, but I still had a blast, so that, that'll be a good time. That will do it for the show today. We thank Joe Bartle of Roto-Wire for joining the program. And as always, we appreciate all of you that tuned in and called in. For Tom Peavy and Ryan, and my name is Ryan LaVoy. Have a great Wednesday night. The High School Coaches Show is coming up next. And again, at 7 o'clock on FM Talk 93.9. The Super 7 begins with Thompson in Central Phoenix City. Have a good night, and we'll talk to you again tomorrow.